The clap, Craig Rooney. What an absolute badass. What's going on, everybody? Jagro in the house. Foo! War for Grippy Paws. How's it going? Um, what, 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 look, Ardok, what's going on? One plus one equals two. See, I'm good at math now. Shagrathian 6666. What's going on? Fellatio! What was it? Fuck, I forgot the joke. Nice of you to come by. Uh, Rami Lev Metals in the house. Pigeon Show is in the his house. Hell Fox, thank you for being here, my friend. Rexter, look at all these sexy ass people in the chat. Um, a lot of people are asking where are you fir first. Oh, Tamimi is in the house, and he also says Zegga, which means uh, which means the Kaka in Adaki. Um, <laughs> I'm proud. You remembered it. I did. Askor, what's going on? Wait, Shagrathian's Ahmed Ramal, what is going on? Wait, I have a, I have a thing. Wait, let me turn this up. That was a bit too loud. Sorry, but that was my air horn. I'm a DJ now. Um, welcome, Ahmed. How's it going, man? Is Felatio a bot? Everything you write, he auto... Felatio... <sighs> Can we time Rami Lebmetal out for that dad joke? <clears throat> um, at least, at least a minute. Thank you guys for being here. What is going on? We have another podcast today. It's Wednesday. It has been a while. We haven't done uh, some of these podcasts, but we're kicking things back up. Um, and, uh, and I'm very excited uh, about today's guest. Uh, we have uh, Sheena. She's uh, an audio engineer. She's a musician. Uh, she's just a general badass. Um, like four derpy paws actually <laughs> timed him out. <laughs> she actually timed him out. Um, <clears throat> But uh, yeah, I'm I'm very excited. She's got an amazing story, a very unique person uh, that I've uh, I've gotten to know a little more recently. And um, exclamation point guest in the chat, you'll get a little blurb about her and uh, an Instagram link. Go follow her on Instagram. And um, we'll uh, if you have any questions, that's the one I want to say. If you have any questions, we have a channel point redeem under the chat where it says ask a question. If you plug your questions in there, uh, they uh, line up in a queue. And then we can uh, we can shoot the shit. Um, so let's do that. Let's fucking hit the intro. Hit it. Sheena, welcome to the show. Hi. How are you? I tried to get you on the show before, but I um, I genuinely tricked you into this last time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I was like, I'll come on the show. <laughs> to be fair, it's awesome. I'm just really shit at chatting. Well, not really, but you know, chances are I'll just keep swearing. That, no, oh, we can, <laughs> we can swear here. Sh shit, dick ass, cunt, pussy, everything else. Cool. Can, Good to know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so usually on the podcast, I say I gave you a little bit of a botched intro before the intro, but in your own words, if you can introduce yourself uh, to, uh, to the tribe, the maniacs. Hello, <laughs> I am Sheena. I am originally from Scotland. I uh, grew up in Scotland, but I'm also half Egyptian. My mum is Egyptian. My dad is Scottish. It's a bit of a strange mix. Um, I've been an audio engineer for 18 years now. Ooh, I feel old saying that. Holy shit. Um, 18 years yet. So I started as a studio engineer, then went into live sound. And then I've ended up in post-production for film, TV and podcast. So that's that's uh, uh, gravely summarizing it because every time I, I hang out with you and we have a conversation, you're like, no, that one time I was doing monitors for Machine Head, or 
that that one time this guy that you know the slipknot were telling me this thing so there's there's a broad spectrum of of things um that i want to go through but yeah take us take us back to the very beginning what made you fall in love with with music i think music for me because i've always had music in my house when i was growing up and um i mean it's the strangest um contradiction of music my dad loves you know blues stevie ray vaughan and a bit of run rig and then my mum would listen to a lot of uh, sort of Arabic music and she also loves country and Western. It's a bit of a strange mix of music in my house. I've always sang since I was, you know, very young. I'd always been into singing. It was just something that naturally happened and something I naturally loved um, and started writing music when I was, I mean, it was awful. It was terrible, but I started writing songs when I was really young and it was just God awful, but bless. Um, and then for there was one Christmas I was given uh, a talk boy. Do you remember those? Do you remember that from Home Alone? The talk boy. The, 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 you record into yeah. it and then you could, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was given one. Of I didn't know it was called a talk boy though. Yeah. Talk boy. And they were just, honestly, it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And um, I was given that for Christmas and I just literally never put it down. I would record my own radio shows and uh, record shit off the radio, which wasn't probably the smartest thing to do. But um, <laughs> um, so for me, it kind of started there. I, I was always into music at school, although I never took music at school because the music department and the teachers, well, some of them were lovely, but some of them weren't that great. So I, I didn't study music at school, but I was always in the music department at lunchtimes and stuff. So it's quite nice. And then when I graduated from high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I was like, I, I just, I loved music. So I kind of went into a college course because I didn't take any music at school. It's kind of hard for me to go into like a degree in whatever, because I didn't really have a foundation of music. Um, and so I went to college for a year and that was the first time I came across like software. Uh, it was Cubase to start off with. Oh God. Uh, yeah. But do you know what? I actually really loved Cubase for me because I've, I'm a bit, I've, I have horrendous OCD. So Cubase for me was kind of, <laughs> it was actually okay. Wait, wait, wait. But before, before we get into the nerdy stuff in, in college, I want to yeah. ask th those first couple of songs that you were writing, what genre were they? First of all, or what, where, where was it on the spectrum second of all do you remember any of the lyrics or uh, or anything that you had back then oh god i don't know if i remember any of the lyrics i remember it was kind of like it was kind of ambient like almost like experimental music <laughs> mainly because i didn't have a foundation of music so i didn't really know what i was writing um and it was kind of like quite soul bluesy melody because my dad always said to me when i was a kid he's like you're a blues singer you're a blues singer i mean i was you know didn't have much power or control over my voice at that point but um yeah so it was kind of bizarre it was kind of almost like massive attack meets amy winehousey soul sort of vocal it was really strange i do not remember much that i any, I'll, I'll think on it but i do not remember any of the lyrics for for a good reason actually <laughs> i love asking especially people that um ended up in in bands that uh you know have seen some success and stuff i always love asking what was your first band name because it's either you know, what, what's your first song? What's your first band name? It's either the most brilliant thing that just never panned out or it's one of those things that you don't want anyone to hear ever. Um, I think in memory, like technically my first band, which was a horrendous name, we had to put it down to an acronym because, you know, it, we were called the Eclectic Sound Conspiracy. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I mean, what were we thinking? Who's going to put that into a bloody <laughs> web page? Like, absolutely not one. <laughs> I'll be um, honest with you, I can't even spell that shit. Yeah, I know, right? So when people would write it down, they kind of just gave up after, like, I collected and whatever. But that was that was kind of like a mix of friends. But we were we, we did write music, but it was kind of like individual. Like, it was we'd use songs of mine, we'd use song of Kirsten, who was the other singer. And 
But my actual first proper band where we were all writing together, oh, I love that band. We were a seven-piece post-metal band. And we were called The Great City. And um, we had three, yeah, three guitars, drums, bass, a screamer vocalist like you, um, and me on sort of I was like a little mini craft workstation myself I when I turned up at gigs the sound engineer used to fucking hate me <laughs> mainly because I took some of my own like DI boxes with me but I think I required something like six DIs just to myself for the amount of stuff I take with me I had like a K-oscillator I had a synth I had a vocal pedal I had like all this different stuff that I used samples and everything so yeah the sound engineer used to see me come in and be like oh for fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> you had your eight different channels just to to mix and match everything that that you're bringing to the table on on an already seven piece band yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah that was back in 2008 2009 i think it was yeah that's when i was in that band <laughs> we have a couple of questions in the in the question box that i'll get to the only thing i want to know is sheena a punk rocker or is my life a lie i'm done sheena, uh, the ramones rocker? love it love that song um so there's two songs which my name is in sheena is a punk rocker and there's also sheena is a parasite if you google that one that's also another song with my name in it which is you know fantastic i'll go with punk rockers much cooler <laughs> let's let's talk let's talk a little bit about that name because um the the chat the tribe always makes fun of my name because it looks like i lost the game of scrabble um it it has all of the letters that aren't supposed to go together together <laughs> and and then and then it just it adds a little bit of an accent the way you're supposed to say it. But you have yeah. one of those names that I look at and I'm like, it's not as bad as mine, but you have a G in there. You have you have an H at the end. There's 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 I've a bunch of things going on. Silent ass letters on the name of my on my end of my name. Whenever I'm anywhere where my name comes up in a register, I already know it's my name before they say it. They're like, she I'm like, yeah, I'm here. It's fine. <laughs> um my dad, bless him, got a little bit um Tipsy, let's say, uh, when I was born and uh, when he went to put my name into the register, it was Sheena with just the A. And uh, my dad, I think, got a little bit, you know, creative, we'll say. And he decided to, you know, I don't know if it's like kind of Celtic my name up or what, and decided to add the GH. And so it's, people ask me his name, Sheena, <laughs> Sheena, Sheenag. And I'm like, no, nah, just Sheena. Just disregard the last two letters of my name. <laughs> Jaguar saying, don't this Adnan, that's the name of my oldest son. Listen, Adnan isn't that bad. It's my last name. It's M-R-Y-H-I-J. And I, 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 I fuck that up sometimes. I don't know. What <laughs> Let's go back to uh, when did it hit? Like, this is kind of what I want to do. Because everybody it. likes music. Everybody, mm -hmm. you know, enjoys being in a band, especially in high school and, and starting out in college. But no one goes like, I'm going to study this. This is 100% this is of my life now. Yeah, I think when, when I went into college for that year and I kind of started on, I was shown things like Cubase, started on Cubase and then, you know, back in the day, because as a bit old, um, we had... We're still all had 43 in, in here, by the way. I don't know if, if I if I explain this. Uh, chat, please um, throw up your 43s. Ashina can't see the actual chat, so if you throw it up on screen as an emote, um, she'll get to see everybody 43 right now. But yeah, so um, Cubase. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry. I started on Cubase, and then we we still had things like Real to Real in my college. It was amazing. And um, then I started on. I got int an introduction to Pro Tools, and then it just it was from then on. I was fully immersed in Pro Tools. Um, and then when I finished my college, 
I decided to go to move because college was in my hometown in Aberdeen. And then I decided to move down south to Edinburgh. Oh, I say down south. It's, you know, only two and a half hours south of where I was currently. Um, and I decided to do a, a bachelor's in music. So there was different elements to it. There was performance elements to it. There was the technical side. And there was the business side, which I think is is, is really important. <laughs> a lot of people don't actually get any sort of guidance in the business side of music. Absolutely. Um, and then, so I, when I went out to the course, um, I was technically a singer. Um, but unfortunately, the singing teacher wasn't, I mean, let's just be honest, she was an asshole. <laughs> That's the <laughs> easiest way to say it. She was not a nice woman. Um, she had not long graduated herself, so she was quite young. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with being, you know, a young teacher. It's just she was still in competition with her students. Oh. So oh, she didn't have, good. no, she didn't have the right mentality. It's such a shame because there was um, two girls, me and this other girl, Roberta, who's incredible. Roberta Pia, she's an incredible vocalist. Um, we're not your sort of, I mean, when we went into sort of singing classes, which I only actually intended to before I decided to just can all singing classes with her. And um, she kind of wanted us to be like pop singers and, you know, sing musical theater. And I'm like, I mean, to be fair, that's great. Like, I mean, if that is what you want to do, but I was already very sure of what type of music I wanted to perform. And so was Roberta. Roberta had like a really old soul voice. It was just beautiful. So we would go in with our sheet music of stuff that we would want to sing. And she would just disregard it. She would throw it out and be like, no, no, you're going to sing something from Phantom of the Opera. I was like, Fuck. <laughs> she, she really spoke like that. Yeah, she actually did. She was just a bit of a, a, bit of a lobby. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was horrendous. So, uh, and she just, she was just a little bit shit towards Roberta and I, because we were slightly different from the rest of the group. Um, so she kind of made our life a bit shit, uh, which as a teacher, you know, you have one job. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I want to ask the chat, has anyone ever put you off something that was supposed to be like the guiding, a teacher or a mentor or anything like that? Um, have you ever been put off by, uh, by someone kind of that was supposed to inspire you to do something and uh, made you completely go the other way? Um, I'd, love, I'd love to know that. But yeah, at least you had the, the business side. Yeah, I think it's really important because not a lot of courses actually deal with that, which is such an important side. It's even when you go to school, like I swear, when you go to school, there should be like classes in this is what it means to get a credit card. And this is what it means, you know, like life skills. Absolutely. Like Because most people, they graduate from high school or college and they have no fucking idea when it comes to finances. I mean, I still don't, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, so to have like guidance in the sort of finance side of music was really important. Just like when, it talk, when they talk about, you know, different types of record deals, like distribution deals or, you know, just... And when it comes to online music and the percentages that you get as an artist and all these things are really important to know. I think it's part of the industry. It's a very big part of the industry. So was there anything was there anything back then that you were starting to lean towards? Because like I said in the beginning, you're kind of a jack of all trades. You have um, a whole bunch of stuff under your belt and we're, we're going to dissect it as we go along. But like, <laughs> was um, was was there anything uh, you're leaning towards? Who's that? Was there anything that you're uh, you were leaning towards? Uh, generally speaking, like when when all of that stuff was on the plate, were you like, I actually like management more than than singing, or was it singing and then like I'll need management because I want to be a singer? Was there was there anything you were leaning towards more than the other? I think for me it was definitely the technical side, as in when it came to actually recording music and then editing and, and mixing. Ooh. So um, 
I had a couple of exams with the singing side and I just dropped it completely and fully focused on the technical side, which was amazing because then I could take classes like circuitry. So when, where you literally build your own compressor pedal. So you would literally solder the circuit board yourself and make your own compressor. It was amazing. Wow. Mm -hmm. It was really cool. So there's there a lot more of the engineering and audio engineering. That's kind of... Yeah, like the full spectrum of engineering from sort of inside the machines that you use and why they work the way they work, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and how they work internally and then the actual recording side of it and mixing and editing and all this sort of stuff, which I find really fascinating. It's like a wormhole. You get sucked into it and you're like sitting. I mean, you'll know this. You sit with a mix for <laughs> for hours and you're like, fuck, and you just lost half a day. And you're like, what did, where, what? Sending you um, <laughs> samples. What, what do I do? <laughs> what? What is this? Help, <laughs> Help yeah, please. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. I studied audio engineering. I did it at uh, at SAE, but I thought I was getting into like something that would help me be more of a musician. Yeah. Because I didn't have a lot of options. I fucked out of high school. I was really horrible. And then um, I went to Jordan uh, and this new thing opened up that I had no idea you could even study at that time. SAE opened up and they're like, we have audio engineering courses. And I thought... Fuck, I'll get to make music and like pass a grade finally. But like I was, you know, saying that, that you were more attracted to it's it was more the engineering side of audio than it was the performance side of audio. I got to do a lot yeah. of cool shit. Like we installed the Neve uh, because we were the first batch of, of kids. So we, you know, we installed the Neve. We um, we did all, all the, you know, the cool shit setting up the actual university, the actual mm -hmm. institute or whatever it is. But it was it just wasn't for me. I started excelling when it was time to edit the the audio, mm -hmm. where we would stack, you know, vocal takes or if there was anything to do with post production. I remember one of the um, projects. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, was uh, they gave us footage from like transformers or something, and we had to add our own um, sound design. Sound oh, design I did that too. And, I and love everything. that. And um, that's that's where I started like really excelling and then i realized yeah. i think i like post-production i don't yeah i don't i hate my like i don't want to know how to mic a fucking kick i don't care <laughs> just give it to me after and let me like fiddle with it so that's what she said um <laughs> speaking of kick drums uh so so that's that's kind of how i found my way through it but um i haven't met a lot of people that are like i i'm into the nerdy shit I totally am into the nerdy shit. And it's funny because when you talk to like, because I've, I've done all the different sort of aspects of audio engineering, like the live side, studio side, post-production side. And whenever I have chats with live guys that are just purely live guys, that is what they love, like live engineers. And they say, God, I don't know how you can, he's like, I can do a five band bill in the time that, you know, you're stacking 45 sound effects for these scenes and stuff. It just depends on what sort of, which, type of engineering you get pleasure from for me sound design i love sound design it's just for me i get completely enveloped in it and it's just i love it so how let's talk about that how how did you go from i'm i, I love singing i love audio engineering and then sound design and and, and live because you kicked everything off with being a, a live engineer correct me if i'm wrong well, I actually started as a, so when I was in doing my 
undergrads, my bachelor's, um, I completely focused, I dropped performance and I just focused on the technical side. So um, we would do, a, a lot of it was kind of studio based. So we get musicians in and, you know, string quartets or I mean one time I had a bloody didgeridoo and an accordion and I was like what the fuck am I gonna do with this I'm mixing this together <laughs> like the weirdest instruments ever try to like mic these things honestly but it sets you, it sets you up for like working with random bands and musicians when you go into the live field but um so I was I kind of graduated as a studio engineer um at the end of my degree and then I would kind of go into venues and go and watch bands around Edinburgh. And there was one specific venue that I loved. It's closed now, unfortunately, because, you know, Edinburgh Council are wankers. But um, there was, it was called Studio 24. And um, there was, it was the only sort of main alternative venue in Edinburgh. And not just like rock and metal, it was everything from like, they'd have Balkan nights to sort of like proper dubstep techno nights to like massive metal nights. It was amazing. It was the only place people could go to just, it was different from everywhere else. And I remember I used to go down to the sort of metal nights and go and watch the bands and everything. And um, I was very good friends with the front of house guy. And so when it kind of came to the concept of monitors to me, it seemed so bizarre because I came from like a studio education, if you know what I mean. So monitoring is very different in that respect. And so I kind of so, became a... Hmm? Sorry, just in case anyone in the chat isn't isn't completely aware what like monitors is and, and front of house is... Hmm. Um, just explain that front of house for everybody that it's it's what you hear um as a crowd basically uh from from the band but um explaining monitors how, how would you explain that so monitors is i would deal with the sound for all the musicians that are on stage so every single musician would have theirs either either on the floor they'd have like a speaker called a monitor speaker or they'd have like in-ears um, and every single musician has a separate mix of what they need to hear on stage in order to perform so that's what a monitor engineer does. But you were saying that that kind of attracted you a little more? Yeah, because it was a concept I'd never really kind of had much to do. Like I'd never actually really done much with monitors. And so for me, I was like, oh, something new. Hang on. <laughs> and then I became a little bit sort of obsessed with it. I started shadowing Matt for, um, for the longest time. And so I would end up, that's how I started um, doing monitors so I would start doing monitors for the local bands and everything within Edinburgh and then we get some touring bands coming through and I would do the monitors for them and and for me because front of house I've done before but for me I get so much more joy out of monitors for me that was like I knew that was my comfort zone I was like I I like I'm quite a people person so for me I, I deal with the people that are on stage I quite like that um, and dealing with their individual mixes I just found that to be my sort of comfort zone yeah mm. yeah you, you, I, I i as we talk i'm realizing you're the exact opposite of me i don't want to deal with people <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> don't tell me your problems i'm not going to fix them <laughs> i mean oh it, it purely depends on the people because <laughs> the amount of shit i've been given as a monitor engineer it's not even funny i'll tell you a very quick story so there was very there was the same venue so we had a band come in should I name them or not name them? I don't know. <laughs> you can, if you don't mind. Um, so it was a metal band called Onslaught. Oh, yeah, we know Onslaught. Yeah. Um, and they came and they played uh, at our venue in Edinburgh. And um, so my monitor position was pretty much just in front of the loading doors. 
So uh, I was just, because at this point, it was like a really old school analog desk with a big rack of outboard equipment. So it wasn't a digital desk because you know these things weren't really that accessible in Edinburgh <laughs> back then. Um, it was kind of on the cusp of the sort of analog digital thing. And um, so they started loading in behind me. And then uh, all I could hear was, oh, we've got a chick on monitors. And I was like, well, that's a bit of a bizarre thing to say, but okay. And so anyway, they started loading in and they got on the stage and they started, you know, tuning up and getting their stuff sorted. And the guitarist, I don't know what his issue was, but he just, he was, you know, determined to make my life shit that day. And I was like, right, mate, if you're going to be, I was like, first of all, the one thing a lot of musicians forget is the fact that the monitor engineer controls what sort of gig, gig you're going to have. You're either going to have a great gig and have fantastic sound, or they can be a total wanker to you and just meet you. Like, <laughs> yeah. they have the power, like, give them some respect. Um, and so for me, obviously, because I love my job, I was like, well, just going to truck on through this. And um, he was one of these people that was kind of like, oh, you know, can you just notch a little bit of like, you know, 430 out of my wedge and, you know, like all these like specific <laughs> I things. I know that guy. I know. <sighs> Everyone's come across a guy like that. And I'm like, okay. And so what I do at this point is I have my bullshit button. I call it my bullshit button. And what I do is I put like my hand on like a, a pot on the desk. So it's kind of like one of the knobs of the desk mm -hmm. and I pretend I'm turning it. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, yep, is this better? Just let me know when it sounds better. Let me know. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 there, 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 there. I wasn't even turning it. And I so I was that. like, okay, that's my bullshit button. And I know you are talking out of your arsehole. So um, <laughs> I was like, fine, this is the type of person you are. I'm just going to do my job anyway. Anyway, the gig was great. They played phenomenally. You know, they were a great band. It was a full, full venue. It was like thousand capacity venue and it was full. Um, but he was still like during the gig, he was still kind of looking at me like, oh, I need this, need this. And I'm like, absolutely, whatever you need, let me know. This is my job. And then at the end of the gig, he came down to me and was like, um, I think I owe you an apology. And I was like, oh, do you know for what exactly? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I was total, total asshole to you, wasn't I? And I was like, yeah, actually, you completely were. Um, and he, he's like, well, to be honest, he's like, this, this was the best monitor sound I've ever had. And I was like, well, yeah. You know good for you <laughs> you just didn't have to be such a wanker about it and then yeah. a couple of, i think it was like a week later or something uh, matt got an email to the venue from their management and he was like oh i just want to say you know the guys the, the guys had a very great gig you know in your venue and well we're just inquiring if your uh, monitor engineer was available for touring <laughs> i was like uh, Matt was like, what do you want me to write back? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, it actually ties into um, something Jagro asked. It's in the question box. Yeah. Did you, um, did you have to take a lot of shit being a woman in the music slash engineering uh, industry? I know, I've known uh, a couple of female sound music producers and musicians who've quit because of our shitty wannabe male musician behavior. Um, that's a, that's a great question. Thank you, Jargo. That's a very good question. Thank you. Um, yeah, unfortunately, you've kind of got to adopt a really thick skin um, in, in this sort of field because, like, for example, in this region, I'm the only female engineer in the GCC. Like <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the entire region, not in the country. Yeah, yeah. in the GCC. Um, wow. And, like, for me, I'm always looking for more sound engineer, female sound engineers. When I come across one, there's a really a lovely girl called Ananya, 
um, and she's just graduated from, or she's still at SAE in, in Dubai. And like, I see her and I'm like, she's got so much potential. She's amazing. And she just listens. And I get really excited at that. So I'm like, oh my God, there's another girl in the field. Like, yes, because there isn't, there's hardly anyone uh, when it comes to female, you know, in the UK. Yeah, there's quite a few. I know quite a few in, in the States and everything. But in this region, none. It's really, uh, it's, it's difficult. What is the GCC for those uh, that don't know? Squatter, what's going on, Squatter? Goat <laughs> curling competition. Yes, you're absolutely correct. That's what GCC stands for. I uh, know it's, it's, it's the Gulf. It's um, all the countries in, in the Gulf states, if that makes sense. So it's not um, the... Um, yeah, it's it's the uh, how, how yeah. Change, yeah, the Gulf states. Yeah, Gulf. I don't know what it stands for. That's really bad. <laughs> <coughs> let's let's Google it real quick. What Google, is, yeah, Google it. Does GCC stand for? You guys, Gulf. it's the Gulf Corporation Council. Uh, Fuck, that makes okay. it even more confusing. <laughs> yeah, that's not what I thought that stood for. But okay, we got Gulf right though. Yeah, it's it's in the Gulf, you guys. It's in the Gulf. <laughs> What's going on, Squatter? Everybody, Squatter Madras from. Um, from Bloodstock Festival's in the house. Go say inappropriate shit to him. Who, me? Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everybody in the chat, say inappropriate stuff. Um, but yeah, that, that's fucking cool. And ha, ha, how... I don't, I don't know how to ask this. <laughs> how did you give less of a fuck? <laughs> it's basically... Like, how, how does one get thicker skin in an industry that is absolutely infamous for, and especially a genre, because you, you're into the rock and, and metal world that's made a name for itself by being sexist, basically, yeah. by being like, we, we all love rock and metal and we're trying to change you guys. We're trying to change everything, including the elitists, including that stuff. But up until a couple of years ago, I don't think anyone, anything, was uh was easy for a female in the entire industry that's true although what's funny is like when i whenever i did bigger shows like when like download festival or sonosphere or whatever never was i ever questioned by anyone or or felt or made to feel like i was inadequate or less able or so it's it's funny that that you say that even though it's because that those are those are exclusively rock and metal festivals but never did I feel once when I was there because the whole point is you're there because you know your shit. And so you wouldn't be on the crew unless you knew your shit. So everyone kind of has that sort of base knowledge, if that makes sense. So yeah. never did I f have any problems when it came to larger gigs. But um, for example, my first corporate gig I did when I first arrived in Dubai. So obviously I was working in a studio and I was, I was offered a corporate gig at one of the hotels the ballrooms of a hotel and it was pretty much running like 12 wireless microphones like handheld ones and also like you know the sort of britney mics and um, <laughs> i just call them britney mics it's easier to call them britney mics I, I, I was genuinely thinking oh the michael jackson ones right and then you michael said britney, <laughs> the britney mic. um yeah so that, that was literally all i had to do was you know just run these microphones and just keep an eye on who was going up on stage and then just make their microphones live super easy so when I turned up to the the venue and the crew were there and I was like, hi guys, I'm Sheena, I'm your engineer today. They were like, oh, you're the engineer. I was like, again, that's a really weird thing to say. I was like, yes, I am the engineer. Like, <laughs> why is that weird? 
And anyway, so they just kind of go over that. Are they that. expecting you to go, psych? Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. I'm the makeup artist or whatever. Like, what the fuck? What do you want me to say? Like, oh, fuck. I mean, no disrespect to makeup artists because I could never do that job because that's like another art. But um, yeah, and so we went through the gig and um, it was everything was fine. And then it got to... So part of my job as the engineer is which has always been, that's why I've got a terrible back nowadays, is when it comes to the end of a show, doesn't matter if it's corporate, if it's a rock band, whatever, you strip the stage. That's part of your job. So you take all the mics down, you take all the cables off, all the stands, you dismantle everything, you take the cabs off, the drum kit. It's, you know, that's, that's part of your job. And for me, I've always done that for years and years. And so it came to the end of this corporate gig and I'm trying to take all the speakers off the sticks and, you know, I'm, and all of a sudden the crew just went nuts. They came like, no, madam, no, don't, we will do this for you. And I was like, guys, like, I really, like, that's so sweet of you. Thank you, first of all, that's lovely that you're looking out for me. But I was like, I may be small, cause you know, I am only five foot tall, but I was like, I may be small, but this is my job and I know what I'm doing. If I want to dismantle the equipment, it's my job, just leave me to it. I was like, you're more than welcome to help me. Like, if you want to do that side, I'll do this side, great. But just leave me to my job. So it's just, it's like a sort of, preconception that just because you're a girl you're going to be slightly weaker than a guy and i'm like motherfuckers we go through childbirth we're good <laughs> <laughs> we've got a high pain threshold like jesus christ it reminds, me, it reminds me of this um and i'm gonna spoil it you guys if you haven't watched it already you deserve a spoiler uh curb your enthusiasm the the new season where he's basically he, he's arriving at an airport and calls a, a car company and uh, the driver is is a, this this woman that comes up to, you know, carry his bags and stuff. And he feels so awkward about it that he carries his own bags and then hurts his back somehow. And then it just it's this cyclical nature of like, but she wasn't supposed to be, you know, a woman carrying yeah. my bags because that's not supposed to happen. And then he calls and asks for a male specifically. And they're like, wait, why? Do you do you have an issue with women? <laughs> like yeah. Just, <laughs> are yeah, are you misogynist? So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, let's check out the chat real quick because I yeah. I see you guys uh I see you guys talking about a bunch of stuff. I am um <clears throat> uh rock and metal equals sausage fest, but uh Bloodstock is run by a brother and two sisters and never really made any difference to me from squatter. Absolutely. Uh Hellfox says disagree there. It's a myth that metalheads are more sexist than the average person. I don't I I mean, I think the industry more than the average metalhead um is is what I'm getting at Hellfox because I've seen the, the average metalhead doesn't give a fuck, but the industry somehow has a am, am I am I being fair to saying that? Sheena? I don't think it's specific to to metal, to be honest, because, again, when I do the bigger festivals, I've never felt anything untoward by anyone. But yeah. in, in the industry in general, yes. Like, for example, in Dubai, you have bands playing all the venues, you know, covers bands playing music throughout the whole city. And it's like there's very much a, a look like a female singer has to go on stage looking a certain way or she doesn't get hired. Yeah. Because I've I've seen I've seen this with one of my really good friends, like, oh Jesus Christ, her voice is just phenomenal. I swear she's got an extra lung in there. Um, but because she wasn't the typical, she was really quirky, but in such a beautiful way. For me, I think she's beautiful. But she's kind of um a, a bit like me, covered in tattoos, like has her own style. She's fucking cool, man. And um she had like bright colored hair and everything. And whenever she would apply for to work in bands here, they'd always look at her and be like, Oh, you're not really what we're looking for. 
and it's not really the aesthetic we're looking for. And I'm like, but they'd rather get some sort of swimwear model who looks amazing, like well done on your ass, you know, well done. But I mean, you can't sing for shit. This is what they'd rather do. They'd rather get somebody who looks pleasing because most people um, in, in this industry, for example, they listen with their eyes. Mm -hmm. They don't actually listen to the talent of the person on stage. They just look at them and they're like, yes, that person looks like a singer. You hear and that chat? Just, yeah. Quit, quit listening to me with your eyes. <laughs> You're listening to me with your eyeballs. Because I just saw Akron Dave said, just wishing this pretty lady would go off the screen so I could see Adnan. Dave, <laughs> <laughs> I want you to hear what I'm saying. Okay, sorry. <laughs> 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 oh, but with the guys in this just like, like yeah just like you said there was um th there's editing uh for for a long time as well for me there's an insane amount of things that you get to hear people say about real people that you're like i didn't realize you're you can judge someone like that like yeah. i'd be doing you know corporate events um editing something that was you know a launch of some something and then the, the producers would come back and be like, hey, man, that that fat, ugly girl, can you cut her out of the scene? And I'm just like, yo, what the fuck? Bro? She, she bought your product. Like, what are you doing? How, why is that a problem? He's like, no, no, we, we find someone else. And they'd, they'd get into specifics and shit. And I was like, man, I, I didn't know people could, could say stuff like that. That's fucked up. Yeah. And why is that okay? Like, why is that okay? Like, it's not. It's not it's okay. Like, and that's the thing is, in the guys in the city, whenever they go on stage, like I know guys that they go on with their fucking ripped cons and the ripped jeans and the fucking black t-shirt. Their hair hasn't been brushed. They're not shaved, and they get hired because it doesn't matter. Like, they can look however they want yeah. to go on stage. And then, but I'm like, fuck. If I went, you know, if I tried to go on stage, you know my hair chucked up in a bun, no makeup on, they'd be like, what's wrong with you? You look so tired. Or, I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you look tired is a great one. Todd yeah. always gets that. <laughs> oh, you look tired. No, I haven't got makeup on, fuck face. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, let's, uh, let's name drop a little bit because you have worked with a lot of different people um, from, from around the, the metal spheres. Blaze, what's going on? Welcome, welcome. Um, <laughs> let's let's name drop a little bit what kind of stuff have you have you uh what kind of bands have you worked with well as in just across all genres or yeah like who are some of your favorite people to work with so at the same venue in edinburgh we had um oh back in the day um so when the architects first started out um when you know sam had his long hair and um it was the original lineup, bless them. Um, they played my venue in Edinburgh. So that was one of the first sort of hardcore bands that we had at that time that came through Edinburgh. So, and I remember, oh God, I've just, that literally came screaming back to me. I shouted at him because he was, I caught him quite, when he was, when we were stripping the stage, um, I was at front of house and I was getting something. And I looked over at the stage and the singer, uh, Sam was coiling a, a cable around his elbow. Oh. And um, like, I told you earlier, I have OCD. I, I will fully admit, like, I have really bad OCD, <laughs> especially when it comes to, like, equipment and gear. And so when I saw him doing that, I literally switched on the front of house, like, communication mic, and I was like, stop! <laughs> and he was like, yeah, actually, bless. I had to apologize to him later. I felt so bad. He actually shat himself. He was like, what? And I was like, stop calling your cable about You're going to break the insides. And then, um, yeah, so that was quite a... 
I left an impression, let's say that, <laughs> but maybe not a positive one. No, to be fair, he did laugh, but um, I felt bad afterwards. Um, and then after them, we had uh, Soulfly come in. Um, after Soulfly, we had Fozzy. Oh, that was fun. Fozzy, Chris Jericho, and his, like, his band are phenomenal. Unbelievable yeah, I, I, I only recently found out about this. I had no idea he had a band Lordy, Lord. or anything. So good. And it's, um, although it's, it's, it's interesting when you when you solo Chris Jericho's vocals in, in a monitor capacity and you just hear it dry and with no processing. And mm -hmm. I'm like, whoo child, that's a little bit pitchy. <laughs> <laughs> but as a performer, he's unbelievable. Great performer. And his band were just killer. Absolutely amazing. Um, and then we had kind of like sort of different um, bands in like we had a guy, like a band called the Gentleman's Dub Club. It was like a ska band. Like I think there was like 12 of them on stage. Uh, full brass section and everything and um then what did i do after that i think then i kind of started on the i went to download festival as a festival goer to start off with fell in love with download and i was like this is just so it's just a happy place super happy place and then i kind of got onto their roster as crew but the mm -hmm. thing with big festivals like this um you kind of have to earn your stripes and I'm okay yeah. with that. If if it's a job you love, you will you will happily do that because again, you're you're an unknown entity, and they have to get to know you, and they have to get to know your skills, which is absolutely fine with me. So the first time I worked download, I was like a cable basher, so I would move the cable at the front of the the stage for where the sort of dolly grip of the, the cameras used to go, so it didn't mm -hmm. get tangled. So I had a great time though; it was fantastic. And then is the that next... is that the technical term, doll, uh, cable basher? I, for me, like that's what I was put into the schedule as a cable basher. So I don't know if that's a technical term, but I think it is. <laughs> but um, and then the next year I went back and um, I was sort of helping with the backline, placing mics, um, changing over. Obviously, because it's such it's chaos, really, isn't it? Band after band. And so I was just a, an assistant on stage, and I'd change the mics, place them back on cabs and whatnot for whoever was playing next. And then. The year after, I was kind of going to be doing the same sort of thing, but then um, one of the monitor engineers kind of needed a hand or something, so I ended up behind the monitor desk because obviously they knew that was kind of my my strong suit. So I ended up doing monitors for who's the first one against me? I think it was yeah, against mm -hmm. me was the first band, um, and then as, as I started coming back year after year, then. Uh, that's when sort of the band started to get bigger and then they'd actually put me in the schedule as monitor engineer and i was like hey, that's cool <laughs> um and then in between that i did uh, a sonosphere a couple of sonospheres as well and i remember getting my pass for sonosphere i wasn't sure because sometimes you don't actually know who you're going to be working with until you get on site and then i was given my pass and uh, i turned it around and it said deaf tones <gasps> and i was like how dare you yeah almost like vomited a little bit in my mouth and i was like holy <laughs> shit balls um so but the thing is i say that but the thing is there's a crew there's a whole crew that makes a show work it's like yeah. there was there's like three of us around the monitor desk and um, just in case something goes down you have to have contingency for everything so because with murphy's law if something can go wrong it will go wrong and um most of the time it does go wrong so you've got to assure that nothing actually if something does go wrong nothing shows out front that it's going wrong or I, to the I, musicians. Have, I have to ask Chino's vocals soloed on a monitor mix what yeah like stunning absolutely stunning like I'd happily just listen to his dry vocals <laughs> he's just so good 
Yeah, I haven't I'm, seen Deftones live yet. I have fucking Deftones no tattoos. Way. I always yell in chat. And no, but I, I haven't seen them. Oh, I haven't seen God. them play any. Oh, God they're just, they're my, just the energy. It's just, it's other level. And um, what was after that? We did it. So the biggest, the biggest one I've worked was. Yeah. <laughs> Felicio. Um, <laughs> um, the biggest show I've worked, and for me, I don't actually remember much from it because I was so, I, I'm not going to lie, I was shitting myself, absolutely shitting myself. Um, and it was, you know, when something, you just don't quite believe you're there. Um, and that was Slipknot. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, that was, there was like four of us on the team and it's hard to remember much from that because it was so fast. Everything had to be so quick. And it was a 16-way monitor mix. So that's 16 individual monitor mixes that you have to take care of. Wait, um, why is simultaneously. Because they had it was the year they had um they had extra musicians and they had like the steel um, you know, like the trash can drums and stuff. Yeah. So they everybody on stage needs to hear what's going on. So you have to have everyone has to have either a wedge or in-ears, everyone has to hear what's going on. So there were so many musicians on stage, it was crazy. So we had 16, 16 monitor mixes to take care of. Damn. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so and then, when, you go, when you go back to a band that's like a three-piece, you're like, hey, I got this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is a walk in the park. This is so easy. But um, yeah, God, that was, I was, it was hard to sleep after that one because I was just like, fuck, did that just happen? Like, that's, that's nuts. Absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um, and then there was the story I was telling you about the other night, the machine head one. Oh, I've got to say, Steve, their front of house guy. Uh, I promised I'd tell um, everyone that he is my hero because he is my hero. He's amazing. Massive um, shout out to Steve. Wait, let's do the air horn for Steve. I don't know if he's actually in the chat or watching or whatever. I think he said he's going to log in. But um, yeah, I've got so much respect for that man. Um, and hopefully we'll be bringing them out to this region soon. We shall be. We shall Hopefully. be uh, working on that. But yeah. uh, what, what's the Machine Head story? I know um, I know you and I have uh, had a conversation <laughs> about it, but what, what is the Machine Head story? So when I was, at uh, this point when I was living in Edinburgh, I worked in a music shop. So we had obviously loads of guitars, equipment and everything. And I used to deal with anything to do with high-end recording equipment and live PA equipment. And um, there was one particular day where it was quite quiet at the shop. And then all of a sudden when I was kind of, sorting a display there was a group of guys came in and i heard him the, the the first guy that came in he was speaking to somebody at the desk american guy and again apart from the edinburgh Fringe festival in august it's quite rare when we get americans in the store and the guy when i looked at him he looked like a metal dude and i was like oh i don't know this person because again the metal the metal scene in edinburgh is very small <laughs> um and so they, and then they pointed towards me like, oh yeah, Sheena can help you out. So he came up and he was like, yeah, yeah, we've got a, we've got a show tomorrow night at um, the, the liquid rooms. So the liquid rooms is like a 900 capacity venue. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay. And he's like, yeah, we just need some, he's like, I just need to grab some equipment that we need. Um, a couple of stands, blah, 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 and everything. And so I was, I was sorting them out. And as soon as I was chatting to him, I kind of looked over his shoulder and behind him was machine head. <laughs> they're just walking into the store the and i was full like band. the full apart from rob yeah um and i was like um so i i, I know who you're doing sign for now <laughs> like, 
Um, and because I was really the only metalhead in the store, so I kind of like everyone at the front of the desk was kind of a bit like, yeah, some musicians. And I was like, it's machine fucking head. <laughs> like, oh my god. And then the drummer went down to the, we had like a roll-in section and we had like a, a display drum kit. It was the top of the line at that point. It was like the TD20 or something. And he just went on to the kit and started smashing away on this drum kit. And I was like, oh, this is a bizarre day. When I woke up this morning, I didn't anticipate this was going to happen. Yeah. And so anyway, I helped them out and I got them all the equipment they needed. Um, and most of the stuff, like it was, it was hardware. So they didn't even need to buy it. I said, like, we've got hardware in the store. You're more than welcome to, to use for the gig. You don't need to buy it. You can just... You can you can loan it to you. It's on the shop floor anyway. It's not gonna, you know, as long as you don't, you know, put your foot through it or anything, yeah, <laughs> or smash it or whatever. Um, and so he was like, oh, you know, cool, thanks. He's like, do you want to come to the show tomorrow night? And I was like, yeah, that would be great. He's like, yeah, no problem. Okay, I'll put you on the guest list. I was like, oh, fantastic. Um, because for me, I didn't even know Machine Head were playing because again, I would never anticipate they'd be playing in a 900 capacity venue in Edinburgh, yeah. Yeah. and there wasn't much marketing on it. Um, and so the next day I went down to the venue, kind of rocked up to the door, did that really awkward thing. And I was like, oh, I think my name's on the list. Oh, I, don't, I don't really like doing that. And they're like, yeah, so in, 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 in you go. So I walked up to front of house and there's Steve. Um, and he's like, hey, come on in. So went into front of house and he was showing me all the settings for all the different, you know, we were just had a little bit of a geek out session, which was fun. Um, and then all of a sudden when the band were starting on the first song and there was this horrendous feedback coming from the stage like low end, like ringing feedback. It was horrendous. And um, I looked at Steve, I was like, are you doing their monitors? He's like, no, 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 there's a monitor guy. He's around the corner. He's like, but there's no comms. There's no communication. Didn't have any radios or anything. And I was like, oh, okay. So I said, he, I was like, do you want me to go and relay a message or do you want me to just go and you know help out or whatever? He's like, yeah, if you could, you just go and sort out what's going on. No problem. Left front of house, went around to um the monitor position oh and the, the thing is the guy on monitors so at this point i think yeah i was i was studying at this point so i went back to uni after i um i went did my bachelor's was in the industry for like five years as a live engineer and then decided i wanted i enjoyed learning so i wanted to learn more and i went back and did my master's and so in my master's course there was this one guy who was just it was just all ego like this guy yeah. is just everybody else in the class was super cool like absolute dudes i mean to be fair it's, with these courses it's usually 90 percent guys so they were all just super lovely chaps and um, this one guy in particular was just a bit of a knob and was rude to everybody kind of thought he knew it he knew more than everybody knew more than the lecturers you know this sort of thing <laughs> there's and always so, one in every batch. <sighs> it's, it's almost like a quarter you have to meet you also, have to have I'm, that one dickhead. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to steal the word knob from you. I'm just going to call people knob. knob from now on. Yeah. <laughs> You're such a knob. It's just such a descriptive word. It's great. <laughs> um, and so I went over to him and I was like, oh, his name is Liam. I was like, hey, Liam. Uh, he was like, oh, hey, Sheena, how are you? And I was like, well, better than probably you currently are at the moment, bro. <laughs> and this guy, he was very much an indie guy. He wasn't into rock. He wasn't into metal. He wasn't into anything remotely heavy. So I thought it was quite a strange decision. He was on monitors, but he worked in the venue. So it wasn't, it was the luck of the draw, I think. And um, so he started to have a bit of a meltdown. And um, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm here if you want me to help you. Like, you know, I said, and I just told him the frequencies that were ringing. I said, if you just notch them out, you should be okay. So it got a little better. He notched the, the, the frequencies I was telling him, notched them out with the wedges. And then I went back to front of house and I said to Steve, and Steve was like, who the fuck is on monitors? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a long story. It's a guy that's in my course um, 
I didn't I didn't say anything about him as it's it's professional I was like I didn't tell him oh yeah he's a wanker I just said um <laughs> he was a strange choice for this type of band because again yeah. if you know the music you can do a better job I think and um so the feedback continued and it was getting worse it was really quite bad um and you could see everyone on stage Rob getting pissed like super pissed as you do like because this shouldn't be happening and um so Rob uh, Steve just turned to me and was like, can you just go, just go sort it out? He's like, take him off monitors, just go for it. And I was like, okay. So I went around and I just looked at, I didn't even say anything to Liam. I was like, Liam, he's like, yep, take over, take over. I was like, <laughs> okay, okay. And so I just went in, took over and um, yeah, it was fun. Again, I got to watch a cool band from monitor side and have fun. So yeah, it was good. It's, fun. it's, it's, it's kind of crazy that, um, I mean, it happens in every industry, but it's kind of crazy how it happens in, in um, the music world where mm. you stumble onto opportunities. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, growing up wanting to meet musicians that you eventually end up working with, you know, growing mm -hmm. up loving uh, uh, a band or, or even just a song or something and then end up being part of their growth in, in another element. Like I'm, I'm doing some editing for a couple of bands. I'm doing some other stuff. It, it, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy when you're like in that moment, I can imagine you at the desk, like looking up and there's fucking machine head playing, you know, it's like, it's, it must be pretty crazy. It's crazy. It's nuts. Like for, I have these moments when, because it's difficult when I'm on monitors, it's such a, it, you're drained by the time you finish monitors because never do I look down at the desk. I'm always looking up at musicians because when they're playing on stage, they don't have, like, for example, a guitarist doesn't have any limbs to tell me they need something up or down or whatever. They do, it's a really subtle head nod or like eye flick or something, which I need to see. So it's a really, it's quite, a, it's a really intense, you know, however long their set is, it's really intense. And so I'm always quite drained by the time. I, so I forget a lot of it. I know like it happened and I know, you know, but it's, it's hard for me to recall certain things. For me, I kind of get that feeling when, um, I'd always schedule like for example one of my favorite bands of all time is lamb of god and then we've had a yeah. chat about this before like it's just for me oh there's so many reasons why i love that band and um i'd always <laughs> schedule i'd always try and schedule if they were playing a festival to not be working on another stage when they were playing so that i could just go and watch them because it just for me there's just like i'd be in the, the sort of artist village and i'd be going to get a coffee or whatever and then there's just like Randy there with his, you know, dreads up in a bun and his hoodie on and his glasses and he's just taking photos and stuff. That for me is the is the coolest part because I'm just like, it's just so nice to see because at the end of the day, they're just people as much as I respect the hell out of them. They're just normal people. Yeah. And it's just nice to see them doing their shit, what they do. And for me, the most beautiful thing is to watch bands pre-gig rituals. That's my favorite thing to do. If I'm not working, I'll go side of stage and I'll try and watch what they do before as a band before they go on stage. Is I just find it really fascinating how people, what they do to kind of psych themselves up before a gig. Yeah, yeah, that's I, interesting. I never thought about yeah, that. Uh, well, Svengali's isn't that interesting. We just kind of fart and drink. Um, yeah, but it was cool. You kind of all had a sort of like <laughs> bro moment in the sort of side of stage bit when you were playing last time. It was good. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of farts, a little bit of drinks, a little bit of bromance, but it's, a little bit of bromance. <laughs> um, <laughs> Speaking of Lamb of God, uh, the, and uh, and Akron Dave just said the shout out to Mark Hunter. Absolutely, um, th this weird ass fucking thing happened uh, to us uh, a little while ago. Um, so 
Mark is from Chimera, a band that I grew up idolizing. The reason I scream the way I scream is is because of this guy. And um, we met on Twitch. Actually, oddly enough, uh, Rob Flint. So it's all connected. Fucking Gina, this is all connected. Rob Flint has a (laughs) podcast. Thank you for turning the lights off. Oh, Lamp of Good. Thank you for the Lamp of Good. Um, Rob Flint has a podcast. He had Mark Hunter on about a year and a half ago. Mark Mm -hmm. on that podcast was talking about his Twitch channel. And I thought, fuck, what is Twitch? I don't know what that is. But uh, let's let's check out what, what <laughs> Mark from Chimera is doing on Twitch. So I made a Twitch account and, and started tuning into his shows. And um, so th- at that point, I still had very early ideas of the podcast going on, on Facebook and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck it, let's just do it on Twitch. There's so much more uh, engagement and, and the chat's live and stuff. So Mark kind of pushed me to to joining twitch like his he inspired the the twitch thing he also inspired a lot of the music thing mm-hmm. rob was involved because i was listening to rob's podcast on this thing lamb of god as you know is also one of my favorite bands yeah. we had this massive story on the one of the podcasts uh I, t- I told the story of you know a jordanian cover band wanted to play lamb of god but in jordan the authorities wanted the lyrics and the titles of all the songs so oh. we changed it to lamp of good <laughs> because Lamb of God would get flagged, obviously, in Jordan. And I told oh, the story Lord. and and um, <clears throat> the chat found it hilarious. Four Derpy Paws did that redeem where, that she just did where it, it does oh. the the haw and the lights turn off and stuff. <laughs> and then um, I told that same story to Mark Hunter, who came on the show. He was a guest on the fucking podcast. And, you know, after years of listening to him, I met him back in 2008 when they were here in Dubai and um it was all like kind of connected and then i told him the story of lamp of good when we eventually got a lamp of good t-shirt done because the chat (laughs) just wanted like the tribe really wanted the lamp of good t-shirts done i sent him one and then well how long was it akron dave how long ago was it a month ago randy gets sick on tour yeah gets uh, gets the rona they call Mark Hunter to fill in for him on tour. Mark rocks up wearing the Lamp of Good t-shirt to a <laughs> Lamb of God show. It's so good. <laughs> and I was just like, what is life right now? You're like, <laughs> it was it was it was the craziest fucking thing. It was That's the craziest so cool. fucking thing. Seeing and like, you know, people I grew up idolizing and listening to and stuff are I'm not going to spoil anything, but we're working together on some cool shit. Hell yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's, it's fucking awesome. And I, I think that's one of my favorite parts about, you know, like being in music in general, uh, even though I, and we'll talk about that in a second, I, I have struggle calling myself a musician. I'm the same. 100% say, the same. Yeah. You, you're. <laughs> I we had this chat the other night. Yes. Yeah, I can. I just. You are the harshest person on yourself that I've ever met. He <laughs> <laughs> um, oh wore God. the shirt and sound check. Yeah, he did. And uh, that actually reminded me, Ardok. Thank you. Um, he did an, a second episode while he was in sound check with Rob Flynn wearing the Lamp of Good t-shirt. <laughs> so it was like a cyclical nature like it was just the thing that got me to find out that mark was doing twitch that got me in twitch that made me like meet him and and like have 
you know, a, a closer connection. And then, uh, th- yeah, it was just a cyclical nature. Him wearing the T-shirt of a joke or like a story I told on the podcast that then four derpy paws made a thing. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. It's, mad. it's like that circle where you're just like, holy shit, the world really isn't as big as we think it is, is it? It's not. It's not. Absolutely. Crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love I love that stuff. I love it so much. Um, but yeah, you you're you're harsh on yourself a little bit. It's hard because <laughs> like even though when you know I was I've grown up and I was a singer and everything, but for me like I've all, I'm, I for me I very much see myself as an engineer. So still to this day, if I go on stage, I absolutely shit myself every time. Doesn't matter if it's songs I know, songs the band I played with before, like every single time. I think that's natural for a lot of people because I mean it means you care, I suppose. But even when I go on stage nowadays, I'm still <laughs> absolutely shitting myself. I just, it's, it's, uh, that's a good question to ask the chat. Um, for those that do perform or anything like that, even if you don't necessarily perform, like, you know, walking up on a podium doing a speech, do you, uh, do you get stage fright? Do you get stage fright? Because I do still to this day. I, I even yeah. get a little bit of stage fright just before every live stream. I get a little nervous. I get a little... Uh, thing in my uh, thing in my things, thing in your uh, things, thing in my things. That's the <laughs> it's, only it's way. It's because to... you care. That's the thing. It's because you actually care. If you didn't have those feelings, you wouldn't. It means you don't really care for it much anymore. And you're like, eh, whatever happens, happens. But you actually give a fuck. That's why you're nervous. Yeah, it 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 kind of. Someone told me that a long time ago, and it kind of changed mm-hmm. my perspective on it. But it also, I have I have major insecurity and massive anxiety, so I also think. Am I caring too much? Like, yeah. <laughs> it just it spirals a little bit. Five minutes before, uh, but then the first word or the first scream or the first note or uh, or whatever it is, it just kind of it, it balances it out a little bit. Yeah, ba- <laughs> so I have the same thing. Even as like an engineer, I know I'm an engineer, but even when I step up to a monitor desk, I'm still like, "Whoo shit!" Like you know, every single time. And then you know, you're kind of into the first song and everything's fine. You're like, "Okay, cool." You know, it's, you still have that sort of like pit of your stomach feeling where you're like you go through all the possibilities of things that could go fucking wrong and that's what your your brain is is programmed to do that it's always think the worst scenario and most of the time you know the worst scenario doesn't happen but you're prepared yeah. for it at least <laughs> yeah let's actually that's that's a good segue you have like you were saying the, the actual show is in your hands as as a monitor engineer and and as as a, an audio engineer in general, when when a band's playing, whether you're front of house, the show is in your hands. Did you sure. ever think I might not be ready for this before before one of the booked things? Like, did, did you ever doubt yourself enough where you're like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this right now? Yeah, I mean, because I like as you, but I think most people with creative brains, um, although mine's quite technical, but I'm mostly creative. Um, we have massive anxiety i have massive anxiety so i will always talk myself into thinking that i don't know what i'm doing although i do know what i'm doing so it's a pain in the ass so i mean i think when i was given that pass that said deftones on it i was like um can uh, uh can i do, can i do this <laughs> uh, i don't know is this the right pass uh, am i you know like that sort of this is my internal monologue of like fuck like I'm going to, I'm going to fuck this up. I'm going to fuck this up. And you try, like, you literally tell yourself that you're going to fuck it up, even though you know exactly what you're doing. You know, the band, you know, like everything in front of you, what they need. 
So there's, you know, you're not going to fuck up, but you're going to tell, you're going to keep telling yourself you're going to fuck up. It's yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I was going to delve into like mental health. You guys, you know mm -hmm. how I, I love talking about that perspective and perception and Derpy just reminded me, do you, uh, do you care or do you worry? There's two different things. You, you got to care, but you shouldn't necessarily worry um, about yeah, things. Yeah, it's more and of I a care thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where the balance is, right? Because mm -hmm. then you start snagging into like the worry realm and uh, and things um, things change. But uh, Ascor says he shits bricks every yeah. time. Um, Steel Shot says, for me, I used to have stage fright, but I came up with the idea of imagining everyone naked and that would... <laughs> Uh, that would make me laugh and forget about it. I don't think you came up with that. I think that's a known thing. But also, that is good. It's uh, it, it, it does it work? I don't think it works. I've I've heard that a million times, but I can't just walk around imagining people's ding dongs out. Like no. it's just, it just doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've heard of that before. I don't think I've used it myself. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I've never been around a, a bunch that I actually would imagine naked. That's no. it's just you wouldn't we wouldn't do that. Not yeah. at uh, not at the shows that we go to. <laughs> no, because no, from a monitor position, the only people I can see is the band. So I'm just like imagining the band with their schlongs out, and I'm like, and let's let's not do that. <laughs> and profile. <laughs> yeah, profile. That's even worse. Oh God, no! Oh no! 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 Uh, oh Derby God. says, uh, never worked for me in public speaking settings, but everyone needs to find their own thing, I guess. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Dave says, I've never really had stage fright. I know I know my tunes and I know that mistakes and shit happens. You just move forward if it happens. See, that mm -hmm. sounds you sound a little more seasoned, Dave, because because mm -hmm. once I started getting a little more like. If I fuck up, I know how to recover. That kind of made it a little easier, but I, I get the, the pre-show stage fright. Yeah. Dave that's the thing is there's always fucks there's always fuck ups in sets like that's absolutely normal it's how you handle the fuck up that is you know yeah dave says uh, i usually like being the center of attention <laughs> 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 you know i was having this conversation the other day um and i want to ask you this uh, sheena mm -hmm. most of the people i meet in the in the music realm in the in the sphere are fucking introverts yeah you, are someone that uh, uh, I've I've gotten the sense that you're a little more introverted uh, than extroverted. Oh, massively. That's the thing is when it comes to like social gatherings and stuff. Yeah, I can you know chat away. I love a chat. I think everyone <laughs> you know this. I love a good chat. But for me, I'm like super introverted. My worst nightmare would be center of attention. Absolutely hate it. But at the same time. You're a singer. <laughs> I know. It's just a massive contradiction, isn't it? And that's, that's why I get so nervous because, like, I swear to God, it's like something out of what fucking film is it? Talladega Nights. I get on stage and I'm like, what do I do with my arms? Like, I actually become very aware of my limbs. <laughs> and I'm like, I swear to God, if I haven't, because if I had an instrument in front of me, it's fine. Like, I have something to, like, channel my nervous energy into. But I'm like, you always put a game face on. You've always got your sort of face of like stage face of, yeah, you know, everything's fine. But inside you're like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Um, and it's just, I've become very aware of my arms. It's just a really bizarre thing. I'm like, what, what do I normally do with my arms when I'm standing on a stage? And then you start to overthink it. And I'm like, I shouldn't really be thinking about this right now. I should probably be thinking about the song I'm about to sing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think if any, any part of my stage... Um, 
elements changes. Like if I don't have a microphone in my hand or, or I don't actually have the monitor to step on a simple, like tiny little things change. Yeah. I I'm completely lost. Yeah. That's because my you have comfort your zone. It's like, yeah. I know where to go. I know what to do. But if, if you told me, you know, sing with one of those Britney mics, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd pull it off. <laughs> no, because you have your natural sort of way of moving, your natural thing that you do when you put your foot up on the wedge and you're like, you have a natural way of performing. So if you were to take that away, it's, you become very aware of yourself. It's really bizarre. Although for me, it's only with, if I'm singing something like, for example, when I was in my post-metal band, that was different because that's the music I love. And so for yeah. me, I was very much in it. And I, because of the people I was with, like I loved, I loved my band so much. And it's it's very different when I perform that type of music because you're I'm very much enveloped into the music. But if I'm doing like, if I get hired for a corporate gig and it's covers or something, for me, I'm very aware of myself because yeah. it, it's not like it's not a comfort zone, but I'm just, it's it's not as believable for me as is the music that I love. Mm -hmm. That's that's a fucking good way to put it. Mm. Believing in it versus yeah. um, versus performing it. Ah, that's kind of name, girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna use my clip button right now. Um, before I, I want to talk about you as a performer, you moving to Dubai and and this whole chapter here. Mm. Um, but we have a couple of questions about sure. uh, this uh, this section. Um, <laughs> Dave is saying, "Are you single? And how do you feel about a long distance relationship?" Asking for a friend <laughs> for Adnan. Um, uh, what was he says? Just kidding. What was the Favorite show that you have got to work? What was your favorite show that you got to work? Favorite show? I'd say Machine Head, although it, was, it wasn't scheduled. I think that's why, because it was just so random. Although the thing is, the slip, it was hard. The Slipknot one was so fucking massive, but I don't really remember much from it because it was such a blur. But I just remember at the end being like, whoa, that was fucking cool. <laughs> Yeah. Like, so I mean, as a, on a grand scale, yeah, I suppose the Slipknot one was like fucking mind blowing. But it's it's so hard to remember a lot from that. So when I think back to the Machine Head one, because I remember I being I was very aware. I was looking around, just being like, "Fuck, that's Machine Head," you know. Like it's, I was very aware of what was going on. Yeah. So I remember a lot more from that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, you guys. Chat. I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I have six hundred times. Um, <laughs> When I met Metallica, <laughs> they're going to kick my ass if I say the story again. <laughs> back, you met Metallica? Back, what? Back in 2011, you guys, when I, when I was working with Nerf Sound, they opened for Metallica and I got to, I got to meet, <laughs> I got to meet Metallica. Um, <clears throat> no, she, she wasn't ready. <laughs> back, you know, it's just I couldn't remember anything, but it wasn't because I was nervous. It's because I got drunk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just, I had, they're they're destroying us in the chat. Okay, um, Derpy, this is a great segue. Derpy asks, um, on stage you have the band around you. In my case, being in a uh, being in company and not a sole focus makes it easier to not feel like the center of attention and therefore more comfortable. Do you think that's a thing for you two? Definitely. When I, whenever I used to play with a band and uh, I'd usually end up, I mean, if I'm singing, it's fine because I've kind of, I'm, I'm distracted with singing. When someone else in the band, because at one point we had four singers 
And so when one of the other guys was singing a song, if I wasn't playing percussion or something, I'd feel really exposed because it was a really mm -hmm. big stage. So I was like, okay, I need to fill my, like, I need to fill this time with something so I don't feel awkward. And so most of the time what I would do is I would go behind the drum, I'd go up in the drum riser with the drummer and I would just like pick up a, a bit of percussion and I would just rock out with him and I'd feel so much, <laughs> so much more comfortable. Um, it's just that standing in the middle of a stage and not doing anything. It's just mm -hmm. a horrendous feeling for me. I just don't like it. I'm not, it's not a comfort for me at all. And for me, I come as like, I was, I come from a sort of like monitor engineer background where I'm like, I'm used to being on the stage, but not on the stage, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, I have, um, I have, yeah. I have the exact same thing, even as short of a duration as like this Bengali, um, course where Josh is singing and I'm not, or something like that. Mm. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but during those times, I'm either in the corner having a drink <laughs> or or I I fill in his lines with like shouting at yelling at the crowd. Yeah. So whenever whenever he trails off on on a line, that's where I go, put your fucking hands up. <laughs> that's, that's, Everybody, get your fucking hands up. Because then because then I'm doing stuff. I know. But, but no, I can't, exactly I can't just stand there. No, me neither. I feel like a spare prick. That's what I call it. The spare <laughs> prick syndrome. I'm like, I just feel like an absolute knob, as I would you guys, say. You uh, guys, the summary of today's podcast is uh, don't be a knob or a prick. That's, yeah. uh, that's basically... <laughs> it's a good life motto, though. I literally have a badge that says don't be a dick. That is literally nice, a good yeah. life motto. I agree. Okay. I agree. I remember... Um, fuck, I forget his name. Australian comedian. Um, uh, it's going to kick my ass Jim now. Jeffries? Jim Jeffries, yeah. you know, just summarize all religions, all uh, inspirational quotes, all the talks, every, everything that's ever been done to just try not to be a cunt. Just, yeah, that's, <laughs> it should be most people's motivation for life. Just don't just, be a dick. Just try, try not to be a shit person. That's, yeah. Still Shout says, which band slash artist do you wish you want to go on a show with? And which country do you want to do a show at points at Saudi Arabia? So um, who, who, I guess who, who would you want to like do monitors for? And uh, what, what country haven't you done that in yet? I think for me, I would love to, I, do, I genuinely don't think I could do Lamb of God's monitors because I would just be <laughs> like, I mean, I, I know their stuff so well, so probably I could, but um, for me, I just love watching them. Um, but f I think I'd say architects now, because the architects I worked with before, obviously they were they were just starting out on the scene and um, as, as amazing as they were, now they're a whole different level, I think, yeah. of production. And it would just be really interesting to see how they run that live. So I'd probably say architects. Um, and country-wise, I would like to actually try the US. I've not actually done many gigs in the US. So it would be quite an interesting place to, there's just so many venues. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so many iconic venues too. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of like, um, pillar venues that I think uh, would be cool, especially in the, uh, in the West coast. Mm -hmm. So it'd be quite be interesting to tap into that market, but we'll see. Let's, let's talk about we're, we're talking about, we're talking about moving around. We're talking about different countries. Mm -hmm. How the fuck did you end up in Dubai, Sheena? 
So I had a like one of my really good friends, uh, Roberto, he lived here um, and he has done for the past 15 years or whatever, I think. Uh, no, maybe. Yeah, about 15 years. And um, I came over to visit him uh, and he kind of showed me around Dubai and I was like, oh, it's quite interesting. And I met with a couple of studios um, and then kind of got a job offer that way. And so I decided to I was like, well, it's it's one of these things where you just kind of try out and see if it works for me or not. And luckily, my brother-in-law, uh, he was offered a job in Dubai on the same week I was, which was very bizarre. Considering he lives in London, my sister and him lived in London, I lived in Edinburgh. And so we decided to move out and he moved out in the same week as week I did. So I had family here, too, which was quite nice. Oh, that's fucking um, crazy. That's, yeah. That never happens really rare super rare so um at least i had someone that was new also in town and so we could have a sort of freak out fest when you're you know trying to learn the fucking roads here or whatever um so yeah i don't I'd think you can ever, ever do that the, no I, I still <laughs> fucking it's like just press accelerate and hope for the best that is pretty <laughs> much dubai driving um yeah so then i moved out i moved out to work in a studio here and um there was i was producing I can't remember the artist, but it was an artist which was a songwriter, but didn't actually play anything. I think, mm -hmm. well, they played a bit of keys. So everything else was kind of, I, I got session musicians into sort of like on guitar, keys and uh, bass and all and drums and everything. And um, the session people that I had in, um, the, the bass player was like, oh yeah, I'm putting this band together, you know, like just like a corporate band together. Um, he, he was chatting to me about that. And anyway, I was adding backing vocals because I heard I heard some backing vocals I was like oh just two seconds and I pressed record and I ran into the booth and I just laid down these sort of backing vocals that I heard just so I didn't forget them and then I came back through and he was like oh he's like oh you you, you can sing and I was like at this point I genuinely hadn't sang on stage for about seven years yeah so before moving to Dubai and um, he was like, oh, you can sing. And I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, I suppose I, I sing in the studio for like backing vocals and stuff. But like I haven't performed in years. And he's like, well, why don't you just come down to a rehearsal? He's like, I'm putting a band together. I was like, OK. And then from then on, we started a band and we were together as a band for like four years and um, playing in like Hard Rock Cafe and everything. And it was it was so much fun. It was really good. <laughs> where, where does that because dropping, you know, going for a visit and then going, I'm going to move here. Uh, takes uh, it, it it takes a little bit of balls. Definitely, and it was kind of. I mean, I came out for a job, which I suppose was kind of. There was some, you know, what's the word? I had a little bit of a sort of like safety net there, so I came out for yeah. a job, which is good. And um, but again, like I'd only been in Dubai for like a week previously, and kind of got to know it i was like eh, okay but i mean the thing with dubai it takes you like a good six months to get used to this place just the, the way I, it works i would and... argue a lot more it's, yeah. i'm still getting used to this <laughs> fucking place it's been 10 years you know <laughs> i know right um i know it's for me it's nearly been eight and i'm still like that's the thing is i came over i was like yeah i'll try it you know i was like i'll try out for for a couple of years and see how i get on and you know like everybody else i've been here for eight years so yeah. <laughs> That's the Dubai thing. For those that uh that don't know, um the Dubai thing is I'm only here for a couple of years. Yeah. And then and then you're in the double digits and you're like <laughs> uh, you know, I'm 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 looking at ways where <laughs> I can I can start justifying the idea of me not being a Dubai person. 
Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is at the end of the day. It's when you go home, like when I go home to visit my family. So I live in a tiny village um, just outside Aberdeen and uh, right on this sort of coast. And um, no one, there is no sort of delivery or like, you know, any sort of like Insta shop or anything that all the, <laughs> the luxuries that we are accustomed to in Dubai. Um, it just doesn't happen. Like, so you go on something like we have the UK version of delivery, which is called Just Eat. And like one place will deliver to our tiny village. And it's like a chip shop or something. And I'm like, you just, you get, it's a very, it's a shock, a bit of a shock every time you go back. Cause you get, which I try not to, but you get so used to living in Dubai and everything's yeah. so accessible and it's so, it's too easy. It makes life far too easy for people. And I get it. That's why people stay is because it's, everything's at your fingertips at all times of the day. Yeah. And then yeah, you go absolutely. somewhere, which is normal. And you're like, oh yeah, I can't just order like a Kit Kat from the shop downstairs and for them to deliver up to my house. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things when, when Derpy was visiting us, it's like, you know, we fucking need some, you know, a box of tissues and, and some, some coffee. Wait, let's, uh, uh, Ascar says 12 years and counting came to see mm. Iron Maiden in 2010 and I'm still here. <laughs> Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, Metal Eris, what's going on? Says neat story. Demon Hunter's in the house. What's going on, Demon Hunter? How are you guys doing? Polar Cat, I lived in Dubai for about nine years. Polar Cat, mm -hmm. um, how was your experience? Let us know in the chat. I'm, I'm curious how everybody uh, sees that because it's, uh, it's a whole different, it's a whole different kind of um, experience for different people. It's, it's always very, very different. Uh, ask my question, please. Okay, Derpy has a question in the question box. What's your favorite and least favorite thing about Dubai? Um, I'd say my favorite thing is probably what we were chatting about. was like everything's so accessible. It's so bad, but it's so good at the same time. Because, you know, as much as I am organized and when it comes to like life shit, I'm really not. So when you're like fuck, I've run out of this and a fuck, I've run out of that and it's 10 p.m. and you're just like, oh, Instashop. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> that's so the best part. Um, <laughs> least favorite, what would I say least favorite? I'd probably say the driving. I mean, I love driving first and foremost, but when I go back to the UK, I am swiftly reminded at how courteous UK drivers are. And then I come yeah. back here and I'm just like, it's like eat or be eaten on this road. Yeah, yeah. You're like, just go. Don't think about letting anybody, anybody else out. You're never going to drive anywhere. <laughs> so I'd say probably the driving's a bit of a shitter, but it's, you it's, get used you're to it. always in competition here. Yeah. It's the me if, first mentality yeah, is yeah. what it is. If you're signaling, if, if there's a tiny gap between you and the car in front of you, if, if anything's, anything is open to anyone, they will take it. That's oh, basically... Yeah. That's basically it. Me yeah. first. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, the thing is that mentality out with the roads as well. That's what pisses me off. It's like when you're in like Carrefour or whatever, that's how I pronounce it. I don't think that's right. Carrefour or whatever it is. Um, and you see, it's like a sense of entitlement people get sometimes when they come to Dubai, where, for example, they've been working in their own country, wherever. For example, the UK is, is a perfect example of it because I've seen it with people. They come over from, they've been working in the UK and they come over to Dubai and you know their salary is higher and their you know their status is a bit higher when it comes to their job and and they yeah. kind of instead of embracing that and kind of using that as a a catalyst to do better in your life and you know save and just generally as we were saying just not be a dick to other people 
sometimes people go the opposite way. Yeah. And they have what is like a sense of entitlement. Yeah. And they kind of unleash that on people like someone at the checkout in Carrefour or the bag boy or, you know, and they're just super rude to it. I cannot stand that. I literally will shout at people in Carrefour. And I'm like, what gives you the fucking right to talk to that person just the way you did? Do you think yeah. you're better than them? Like, yeah. th that's one thing that, so even though on the roads, there's that, when you see it in person, oh, it just pisses me right off. <laughs> I think I think it also applies in a lot of ways to um, to a lot of people I've met I don't know if I'm if I'm reaching here, but there are a lot of people I met in the music scene here mm. that applied that same entitlement to their music. Oh, and okay. I've met a lot of musicians from Dubai that are like, you know, they're they're using the badge of Dubai and the fact that they get to play a show here and there in Dubai as like I don't know how to explain it, man. I don't know how to explain it without dropping any names. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get in trouble. Because <laughs> yeah, all the examples have people in it. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, there's, um, there's a thing, uh, th there's a status when it comes to this city in particular. And mm. you could either use that to your advantage, um, like Zvengali does. Zvengali says Dubai-based metal band because we want people from outside of Dubai to be like, oh shit, we heard of this weird country uh, called the United Arab Emirates, and we know a little bit about this word Dubai. A lot of the uh, the you know outside world just knows the word Dubai, but there's a lot of people that like believe in the hype. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's true. They buy their own bullshit, <laughs> and uh, and kind of uh, and kind of you know pass that on to everyone they interact with. That's that's kind of another downside uh, for for this place. No, I agree with that. I think I swear it comes from a base of insecurity. It does. Everything and everything they, stems from that. Yeah. And they just project their insecurities narcissistically onto others. So <laughs> Polar Cat is in chat saying, I moved there in uh, 2008. Then the financial uh, crisis happened. I love that period. Rent went down significantly and population dropped. I worked for three years in digital advertising agencies before I got my freelance license. It was fun, but towards the end, uh, became so expensive. It was ridiculous mm -hmm. to stay. Paula Cat, yeah. what uh, were you in the media freelance world? To me, to me <laughs> I need a fucking drink. <laughs> when do you not need a drink, bro? <laughs> well, here, here's to you then. Cheers. I know. Oh, I'll get mine. <laughs> Grab a beverage. The Have adult fun. juice, you guys. The adult juice. I still hear the sound of the AC in my head. <laughs> Yeah, you can't you can't get rid of uh, ACs. That definitely sticks. Um, cheers, Craggers. Thank you for the green light. <laughs> yeah, there's um, there's there's a crazy amount of things that happen in uh, in Dubai, but that's what leads me to meeting you because outside of all the obvious avenues that you and I should have you know bumped into each other. Um, the first time we officially met was you doing sound for Zvengali. It was fucking crazy. Yeah, that is true, actually. And it's strange because, I mean, I have to thank Tamimi for this because um, I didn't really know there was much of a metal scene in Dubai. And then Tamimi, being Tamimi because he's awesome, he took me out to a gig. And then I just looked around and there was just like 
fucking loads of rock and metal people. And I was like, where the fuck have I been? Like, why did I not know, know of all of this? Yeah. And then from then on, I kind of just met everyone in the scene. And I was like, it's just so obvious. Everyone thought I was new to the region. And I was like, no, I've been here for like fucking five years at this point or whatever, or six years. Um, but I just didn't know. I didn't know there was such a, um, uh, like a massive metal scene here. And it's just as soon as I find it, because for me, it's like a sense of belonging. That sounds ridiculous and cheesy and whatever. But it is such a sense of like community for me because that's what I'm used to. Like the metal community has such a different way of working than any other type of music communities. It's, so, it's uh, one of those yeah. things, you know, that happens more often in Dubai than than I would personally like to admit. And that's one of the reasons why Unmuted kind of tries to promote the Middle Eastern metal scene is you're not the you're not the only person. Actually, last Saturday or whenever it was when we hung out, uh, Thomas, our good friend, uh, who's Advoth in the chat, um, <laughs> Kanye Thomas, have been here for six years and yeah. only found out there was a metal scene when uh, Svengali opened for Sepultura. True, And yeah. they, they, they had zero idea that it existed. One of the reasons that is, is because we had to keep shit on the down low. <laughs> there was a lot of times where the, the scene couldn't physically promote uh the uh the events and stuff so there it is adva story of my life in dubai as well uh where was tamimi when i when we moved here <laughs> so it's, it, it actually happens a little uh a little more often than not and everybody in the chat can you all just type just for me um just type fuck tamimi in the chat uh, t-e-m-i-m-i -I, or spell it however you want just tamimi um and just just or put the Wookie. word fuck in front of it yeah <laughs> Love you to me, me. <laughs> um, but so you moved, you had a more of a corporate mindset um, moving to Dubai, which also kind of promotes the, the Dubai, like Dubai and, and corporate kind of goes, goes hand in hand. When you started finding the metal scene and finding the bands and, and you know, you performing in a band yourself, mm -hmm. did that open up a different kind of dynamic to the city and, and to you being here? in general oh yeah massively i mean for me like since day one i've always been in the music scene here in some way that was always my job i worked in a studio so we had all different types of musicians coming in and out and so i was you know from arabic music to sort of rap and everything but there wasn't a lot of rock coming through the studio is i mean there'd be a lot of like bands you know kind of rehearsing in the you know the rooms next door or whatever but um, I'd never really seen because obviously when I moved to Dubai, it was after all of the massive rock gigs that were going like desert rock and everything. All of that was before my time in Dubai. And so when people used to tell me about, oh yeah, you know, like Maiden was here and you know, I'm like, what the, when, like, yeah. how did I miss all this? Well, obviously I wasn't, I wasn't here then, but, um, that kind of blew my mind because I never really saw that side of Dubai. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't think bands like that would play here. Dude, 30,000 people with Fuck. Testament, Machine Head, The Darkness. I know, you know right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what? In I 2005. Know. I'm just so gutted I missed all that because that would have been phenomenal. Like, it just would have been so amazing. But as soon as I, sat, I found the rock and metal scene, it's just, it completely opened Dubai to me. And I was like, I would kind of go out socially a lot more because it was with a lot more like-minded people who's li who were listening to the same music that I liked. Because there's something for me, it's like a form of therapy. If you've had a long fucking week and then on Friday night, for example, you go into a bar that's blasting metal 
for me, that is a form of therapy. It's a form of a reset for my brain because it's the yeah. music I love. And it's rare for me to, like before then, it was rare for me to find somewhere that would be blasting, for example, Machine Head or Lamb of God or, you know, Mastodon or something um, through PA speakers. I'd have it in my headphones, I'd have it in my car, but I would never, it was rare for me to find a, a venue or a, or a bar that was playing this type of music. Yeah. And so obviously I found these different places. I was like, whoa, like my mind was blown. I was like, this is, and it feels more like home to me that way because this is, this is what I enjoy. Like when I go out socially. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I just wanted to pause. Um, uh, Ace, I just want to say, uh, fuck you, you youngin. <clears throat> he says he missed Desert Rock 2, even though he was seven when it happened. Holy shit. Oh my God. You're so young. <laughs> He's oh, you're not just 43. a baby. Oh, bless you. Nothing wrong with being young. <laughs> Sandy Sin's in the house. What's going on, Sandy? Sandy from Aiming Graves, y'all. Hey. Uh, massive shout out to Sandy, who also streams. Go follow her uh, her Twitch channel. Um, 43, yeah. Everybody's 43. Um, I think I think one of the coolest things uh, that, that happened in, in, you know, my recent... Uh, stint in the uh in the uae is after i got comfortable after i started establishing um kind of my position in in the country i started collaborating with people mm -hmm. um be on on film projects or or editing stuff or music no spoilers <laughs> but um you getting up on stage i've seen you a bunch of times uh, even before we officially met i've seen you a bunch of times really Get it, yeah, a ton of times. Oh shit! <laughs> uh, getting to you play with a ton of different people. I've played with the same three dudes for the last ten years. I don't. I've, nothing is. I I know when someone farts on stage, I know who it is. Like that's, <laughs> You're like that is the pitch of yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I. That's that's Ali fart right there. That's uh, that's I I know that that's him. Um, but you you jam and and play and sing with a lot of different people um where you just have to kind of get up and and vibe with them um, yeah it's is, like a sink or swim thing you've kind of got to because some some corporate functions they say this is your band you'll meet them on stage at the event and for me oh fuck i know that scares the shit out of me like they yeah they give me the song list and then and like i give them for me i'm a bit of a i call it a key nazi like i hate changing keys of songs because I'm very much of the the idea that people write songs in a certain key for a reason. And if you change the key, it changes the song. So if I'm ever doing covers, I refuse to change the key. Even if, like yeah. I'll just, I'll, if, I, if I can't sing it, then I'll change the song. And I'll, I'll sub it for a different one. But, you know, um, and so they'll, I'll, I'll send them the keys. I'll say, guys, this is the the original keys of all the songs this is the you know singing this type of structure and then you get on stage and you just kind of hope for the best um that's not a comfortable thing for me though i don't like doing that i'm very much like i like having rehearsals and i like feeling like we're gonna go on stage and smash it i don't want to have oh is this the guitar solo coming up now or is this you know i just i don't like that at all it's not a comfortable feeling yeah i i don't i don't even know how you do even when it's not i Chat, you've seen me fuck up Zvengali lyrics on this stream. <laughs> <laughs> I had to Google my own lyrics the other day. <laughs> oh, it was bad. It was bad. You know, it's I, I can't do the on the on the fly stuff. Uh, Lord Zeppelin, what's going on? Welcome in. 
He says, uh, you were 16, so it's not that long ago. Listen, man, 16 is not seven, at least. <laughs> I fuck up my lyrics all the time from Sandy Sin. Sandy, your lyrics are complicated. You need a fucking dictionary to read yours. My, mine are like, I love my friends. I love my family. Now drink. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. <laughs> That's, that's my entire discography. <laughs> Kamikaze, welcome in. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy. And I'm going to spoil it. I'm going to spoil it a little bit because it's going to be a little while before it comes out. But you, we, you and I got to work on uh, on some stuff together. Mm-hmm. We got that to work on some stuff together. Um, <laughs> some, some music stuff together. And um, I got to see, I got to see like the full range because... I don't know if you guys know this, uh, but go check out, uh, put your hands up exactly to me. Go check out um, uh, Sheena's Instagram because you do Harmony Hot Seat. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It's been a while so, since I've done one of those. I need to do another one soon. <laughs> fuck. There's, there's, that's kind of you live um, at uh, primarily the hard rock with distillers. Mm-hmm. And Harmony Hot Seat is kind of my introduction to you then i saw you at the this vengali show where you did our sound the best fucking sounding show i've ever played <laughs> i'm genuinely I've, there's you can check out this vengali instagram we we have that the harmony has sauce no it's not the hat sauce. Hat sauce. that's a great name though harmony has has um and then um and then we i i you know thanks to tamimi again fuck tamimi in the chat um we uh we started we started contemplating working together and then we eventually got to work together on some some music stuff and i saw the like full the full sheena if you (laughs) (laughs) and all her warbly glory yeah (laughs) (laughs) no but it was um there's there's a lot to unpack there's there's a bunch of different things and you've you've not only jumped on stage with a bunch of different people, you've not only had your own band, you've not only done that, but there's 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 a um, character. Is that the right word, Chat? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like there's there's um, there's a there's a quality uh, that's a hundred percent you, based on the insane, unique journey that you've you've built so far. Um, and I I think I think you hear that. WTG? What the fuck does that mean? Um, <laughs> what the... What the God? What the God? <laughs> what the garbage? What the garbage? I don't know. <laughs> Way to go. Okay. Way there. to go. I'm sorry. I'm so not young. Like for me, I'm like, I don't know what these mean. Yo, TYT, guys. Um, oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, but yeah, is... How... I, I don't know how to phrase the question without seeing obnoxious, but like, how, how do you navigate all the different things? Like, how does it, how do you, how does that happen? Well, as in all the different, like, as in from singing to sound engineering to all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and building it in a city like Dubai, like how, how do you feel about you here right now with, uh, with everything that you've achieved in Dubai in the last eight years? I think in Dubai, because there's lots of production companies in Dubai, don't get me wrong, but um, how do I word this without offending anybody? <laughs> there's like a a taste level or a quality level 
that always comes into question in this region. That's why I was struggling with that. I'm trying to say it without. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, how to. How uh, are you better than the rest, Sheena? Like, I just don't know how you sugarcoat <laughs> it. Um, there's nothing like, for example, I, you know, last week, for example, I was at a gig where I was performing and they're like, oh, we have an in-house sign engineer. I was like, oh, fantastic. Great. Okay, cool. And then this lovely man comes up and he just stood next to the desk. And I was like, um, are you, are you, are you doing our sound or? And he was like, oh, um, well, what, 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 what do you want me to do? And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And so it's, it, it, it's a quality level, like, and it's also a care level. For me, I love my job. Like, I genuinely love it and I give a shit. So I want things to be as good as they possibly can be. Yeah. Some people, they're in a job, they have a, a title, for example, sound engineer, and they don't particularly want to be doing the job. Because as I always say, a sound engineer is, it's a very thankless job, unfortunately. You've got to love what you do. Because for example, you go to a gig, Adnan, and the last thing you think, you think, God, that band sounded amazing. The band did such a great job last night. But people never think, wow, that sound engineer made that band sound fucking awesome last night. And it's, that's so natural. It's a very natural thing. And all engineers, Dahi, everyone, Romario, everyone will say the same thing. It's like they get gratification from knowing that they did a good job and yeah. the band are happy and everyone was happy listening to the band. Never do we ever look for gratification from our, for our jobs because it, it's not that type of job. Normal people go to a gig and they say, yeah, the band sound, you know, the band did a great job, but it's a team thing. You know, the band will sound great because the sound engineer it does, knows their shit and yeah, vice absolutely. versa. And it makes, and whenever I work with a band, like for example, you guys, cause you guys absolutely know your shit. Um, it's easy. It's an easy job for me. Cause you guys have a you care about it. You, you know, your shit and you're all fucking amazing musicians. So for that's half of my job already done. All I have well, to do is uh, balance you. I mean, Ali and Josh are, are okay, I guess, but <laughs> <laughs> I love shitting on my band. Um, oh, I love it. <laughs> um, metal Eris so is, is asking, do you find it harder in the industry being female? Metal uh, Eris, we, uh, we actually answered that question. Metal Eris is a badass fucking, uh, you happen to be a woman, but you're a badass guitarist. Um, I think that's, um, that's probably why you're leaning towards that question. We will have the full... Uh, podcast uh, on audio and video on YouTube and Spotify and everything. But just to touch on that for the people that are tuning in uh, a little later, um, how was it? Uh, we, you know, we talked a little bit about back in the uh, in 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 your first venue mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and a specific uh, thrash metal band that was uh, that was a little more um, uh, colorful than uh, than others. Yeah. Uh, how is it moving to Dubai and and like you said, you're the only um, female engineer here in the GCC. Um, that's probably, sad. I find that sad. It, it is <laughs> probably one of the only people um, in the um, you know the the musician circuit that wears uh, her like honestly on on her on her sleeve. Is that What's the saying, you guys? Where's her what on my sleeve? On, on Honestly, sleeve? on my sleeve. Yeah, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like you are you who you are. You're not. Uh, you're, you're not picked out from a crowd and then made to sing, uh, which happens ha also happens. Um, but do you find it harder being female in the industry? 
Yeah, I mean, it's like what we were saying earlier. It's like you already go on, you go into, on the technical side, for example, you go, oh, you already go in. Heart on your sleeve, heart on your sleeve. There heart you on your sleeve is the is usually the phrase. But honesty on your sleeve works too, though. You're being kind. See, Derpy yells at me in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Derpy. Um, yeah, like when you go into any technical sort of situation, from my experience in this region, it's like because you're female, you're already going in on a back foot, it feels like sometimes. So you kind yeah. of turn up to a gig and they're like, you kind of got to go through that that normal thing of, oh, you're a sound, you're the sound engineer. Oh, okay. And I'm like, does it matter that I have breasts? Like, does it <laughs> does shit not matter? Like, who gives a shit? If I know my shit, I know my shit. It doesn't no matter. No one's pushing so. the fader with the dick. No, I know. Exactly. Well, you know, some people might. Who knows? But I'm sure Dahi probably did that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Massive shout out to Pinky. Uh, you guys know him right. as, as, as Pinky in the chat. He's oh, uh, he comes here him. often, but shout out to him. <laughs> I miss him. He's just such a lovely lad. I miss him so much. I'm so fucking proud of him too. What he's doing at the moment, he's absolutely smashing the uh, gig scene in the UK at the moment and yeah. touring in Europe and everything. It's amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, what's uh, what's next? What's next? You know, we talked about. Um, I, I touched on. I didn't even talk about. Uh, like um, Harmony Hot Seat and and the stuff um, you're doing for yourself, um, like self-produced, self kind of promotion things that that you're doing on your Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, what's what's next? Where where are you going to expand that? And please exclamation point guest and go follow on Instagram right now. Um, <laughs> you guys you guys are are in for a surprise because the first time I saw the Harmony Hot Seat, I was like, what? How is she do how is she doing this shit? Um, still my favorite one was Lamb of God I put a fucking gospel choir behind fucking Lamb of God it was the fun I, I was laughing whilst I was filming it it was so funny <laughs> um, but weirdly enough it totally worked that's why it I was works. like this, it all this, worked that's wow. the thing it's so weird honestly I started Harmony's Hot, Hot Seat because it's all it's songs that I love you know it's songs that I listen to all the time and for me I've got a weird brain when it comes to whenever I listen to songs, I hear harmonies bef before melodies. It's really quite weird. And so I just started, I just wanted to see what it sounded like. And so I kind of, I think I started with the Architects one, which I just did randomly. And I, I there was a really beautiful sort of like crescendo in one of the songs. And so I decided just to add like some layers of harmony just to see what it sounded like. Because I heard it when I was listening to it. It wasn't in the yeah. track, but I heard it. And I was like, okay, let's see what it sounds like. And then I kind of went from there. And then Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think the actual, like the response to Harmony Hot Seat was absolutely mental. Yeah. I didn't expect it because for me, I wasn't doing it for any sort of like, I'm terrible with social media, but like, for me, it wasn't for any sort of like social media gain. For me, it was just purely a, like a passion project. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just started and I tried to find like to get requests from people, like it's try to challenge me and see if I could, you know, if I could add something to these tracks, you know. And I try and pick like the hardest type of like music. For example, Gorgon's favorite shoegaze style bands, you know. Um, I try and <laughs> pick like, you know, like Kowloon, Walled City or something or like Isis, the band. Or, you know, I'd try and pick something that wasn't particularly melodic and I'd add something melodic to it just to see what the sort of con the contradiction would, you know, sound like or the contrast, sorry. Um, and then not only did, you know, 
people were so supportive. It was it was amazing, honestly, absolutely amazing. And not only were people like that follow me on Instagram, like friends and everything, they were so supportive. The bands themselves got in touch. Yeah. And that honestly, when it comes to social media, that blows my tiny brain. Like, like it's just so accessible online. It's ridiculous. And so when when the bands themselves started to share my little harmony hot seat videos, I was like, this is mad. And then and it transpired to like one of my favorite bands of all time, which my old band, The Great City, back in like 2008, 2009. Um, one of our biggest biggest influences was this band. I won't name them just because it's not really, it's not come out socially as in social media yet. So I can't say anything mm -hmm. about the band, <laughs> but it's literally one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, and I, I put a video of their, of theirs up onto Harmony Hot Seat onto my Instagram. And then all of a sudden I start, I got an, a, like a inbox from them and they were like, holy fucking shit. What is this? This is unreal. This is amazing. And after having chats with them and stuff and sending them, you know, the files of what it sounded like. I'm actually working with them now on a track. Oh shit. It's blown my mind. And these are like, and what's really sweet is like, they're just the nicest guys. And that's so where to chat every so often about random shit. And then, you know, they comment on some of my, you know, harmony hot seats and stuff. But like by the end of this year, there will be a release from this band, which are one of my favorite bands featuring me. It's fucking mad. Like oh shit. <laughs> Oh like, shit! Wait, wait, wait! I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mute you to the crowd. I'm gonna mute you to the chat, but have have it available in my ears. Just cover your mouth like this and tell me the band name. You're mute. Yes. Okay. Cool. Oh yeah! I just You're, moved my hand away. I was like, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> no one read the lips. <laughs> uh, oh, ISIS influenced me as in the band. This is from Metal Eras. They're like yes, one of my yes, favorite bands. Yes, yes, let's hope it's yeah. the band. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Also, I feel so sorry for them because they genuinely they had to change their name on Instagram to ISIS the band. The band, like, yeah. But um, yeah, so that's always been like a side project for me, which I just love. And it's obviously then moved on to something I would have never dreamed, working with different bands that I never thought I'd be working with in that capacity. Um, and then, so whilst doing that, I'd also like to potentially go back and work some of the festivals in the UK again because I've been out of that scene for about six years now and I kind of have that itch to go back again and sort of get back on the roster which would be quite fun yeah and lastly unfortunately the company I was working with which were amazing like my team were incredible they unfortunately the company went under uh, mm. a month and a half ago is it a COVID thing no, it was uh, the CEO was a tool, absolute tool. That's what it was. <laughs> this the CEO unfortunately um, fucked up our numbers for investment, and uh, it was just generally a bit of a twat. So unfortunately, the company went under, and uh, so I decided, do you know what? I'm tired of working for knobs, so I decided to start my own thing. So starting my own post production studio <laughs> wait, wait wait we need we need several air horns for this uh, first of all <laughs> empyrean audio thank you for the raid welcome in raiders how's it going y'all uh empyrean thank you uh thank you for bringing your homies over um exclamation point guest if you want to know more about our guest but specifically now because um because we're talking about your own 
your own studio. You're building building your your own thing. I'm always a fan. Chat knows this of um, people diving headfirst into the concrete. Um, yeah, there's, pretty uh, much. There's, there, there's a special quality to uh, to just free falling. Um, when, With no when parachute. It to, yeah, <laughs> when it when it when it comes to like entrepreneurship and and building your own thing. But um, tell tell us a little bit about uh, about the studio. You're starting your own thing. Yeah, so I've kind of it's pretty much what I was doing in my last job, but I'm just doing it for myself now. Which is so what I do is um, it's post production house effectively is what it's going to be. So it'll be sound design, um, foley music composition. Um, and audio editing for clients, for example. So it'll be for film, for TV, for podcasts, um, and music as well. So that's pretty much what my job has been for the past four years anyway here. Um, and so I decided to step out on that fucking proverbial ledge and do it myself. So I have just opened my own, I've just created my own website and everything now, and it's called Watermelon Studios. Watermelon Studios. There is a story behind the name. Yeah. Why? Why? I <laughs> want to know why watermelon. So for um, the first feature film that I worked on, this is back in Edinburgh. Um, one of the there was a scene where there was um, it was like a zombie scene where the zombie had to be punched and kicked, and you know with Hollywood, there's it's never just the actual sound of a real punch. You know, even like Wolverine and his, you know the when the sort of what do you call them claws claws the little, that's the one yeah. Knives, yeah when his little knives come out of his fists uh that's 47 layered sound effects to make that one thing 47 yeah. different things to make that noise of him of his sort of claws coming out so this is the this is the world of sound design and so yeah, for Watermelon, I was in the Foley room. So I was in the Foley booth because there were some sound effects that we couldn't obtain from libraries. And so <laughs> one of the sound effects for punching this zombie, I cut a watermelon in half, uh, placed it, placed a splash guard over the microphone, bless. And then I proceeded to punch the inside of the watermelon to get the <laughs> sweetest sound for it's like a sweetener for a punch sound. And then literally that's what I do. I was like, this is this is definitely my job. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to myself that day, I was like, do you know what? If I ever if I ever open my own post facility, it's gonna be called Watermelon Studios. <laughs> that's a fucking great story, dude. <laughs> that's a great please tell me there's footage or a photo of you punching a watermelon. Somewhere. I don't know if there is, you know. Like I'm obviously this, the, the, there's the sound effect that was layered into the film, but like I don't think there actually is. Many, I want. Um, I want to see footage of you punching a watermelon. That's. Oh, I tell you, you know, people go to these smash rooms and stuff. I'm like, nah, bro, just get a watermelon, chop it in half, punch the shit out of it. <laughs> it's like cathartic. Like cathartic. I swear, it's amazing. Couple that. Couple Messy, that with though. footage of a zombie being punched. There you oh, go. You got nothing. Great. Nothing yeah. else going on. <laughs> so much fun. Messy though, but fun. Messy, but fun. Yeah. Um, Empyrean, thanks again. Uh, now that's the kind of layering and overkill I can appreciate. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> Sheena, are you ready? Um, are you ready for this question? This is this is kind of how we wind down the show, Sheena. Okay. I'm gonna kill the background music real quick because this oh, is serious. super serious. Yeah, let's um, let's get let's get in here a little bit. Listen, you guys. 
Sheena, if you um, if you had a time machine, mm-hmm. you were to go back in time. Thank you for the pink wall. Um, <laughs> shit, I was trying to do it all serious. <laughs> God damn it, you guys! <clears throat> if you had a if you, if you had a time machine, you were about to go back in time pre punching watermelons, pre moving to Dubai, pre doing audio for Deftones and Machine Head just as you were getting into music before you decided that's what you wanted to study just at the very start of that road and you had a time machine you went back and met young Sheena right there what would you say? I'd probably say First of all, stop messing with your fucking hair because like, I had some questionable hairdos when I was growing up, uh, most of which were thanks to my mum. So. <laughs> but um, I think on a more serious note, I'd probably say don't question your skills as much because for me, I used to always question myself, always, always. Like not even so much my skills, just myself as a person. I'd always question myself like, am I, am I smart enough? Am I you know, sociable enough? Am I knowledgeable enough? Um, and I'd always think there was some, I'd always try and compare myself to people, which mm-hmm. when you grow older, you stop doing that because it's just a waste of your fucking you energy. You don't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> you don't give a shit. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful place to be because you always, when you're younger, you tend to compare yourself to someone that you you think is the dog's bollocks or the shit. You know, you're always mm-hmm. like, oh, that person's so much more talented than me and, you know, so much this or whatever. Whatever the X is, there's so much whatever than me. And it, there is, like, it sounds really, you know, fake or whatever, but it's, there is only one of you in the world. So do whatever the fuck you want to do. If it crashed, you've crashed and burned, at least you fucking tried. Absolutely. It's just to stop questioning myself. That would have definitely been what I would have said to my younger self. Doubt was, uh, was one of my answers too. I, um, mm. I think that there was this, and there still is. I'm still working on it. But like the idea of I've stopped things that were that I am now as as a 34 year old trying to get back that I had when I was 16 because I just thought there's no way I could I could achieve this. There's no way I could just do that and and not worry about you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I stopped myself just purely on doubt, not because there was any obstacles in the path. But it was just purely on doubt. And, um, you know, as an adult now that I don't give much of a shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's much easier. It's much easier <laughs> to, to look back. But, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Because yeah. um, that's the thing. At the end of the day, you're, you're always going to be your own worst critic. There's no one in life that's going to judge you as much as you judge yourself. So coming from you, yourself, I've seen, yeah. I've yeah. seen you work. <laughs> God. God damn, you're harsh on yourself. I know. That's the thing. It's just I know. I need to kind of work on that a little bit. I think, but um, yeah, it's it's just stop giving a shit about what other people think and just yeah. just embrace your own individuality because you know you're you're different from everybody else and that's a fucking beautiful thing. Absolutely. And like, I wish I wish younger people would see that though because it's it pains me when I see people on Instagram and they're trying to change themselves with these filters and shit to make themselves look like what they think beautiful is or what they think normal yeah. is and i'm like no the thing that makes you beautiful is you is your own fucking thing is like your own brain your own individuality your own style like 
just embrace it. But it's Absolutely. hard to explain that to people that are young. Like I, I, I wouldn't have believed that if, when I was that age. It's a little better now than when I was young. It's a little better now accepting people. There's, there's a lot more conversation about it. At least mm. what, now there is somewhere to look online and find maybe other communities or, or people that, that can, um, you know, uh, at least relate. make you feel not, yeah, relate, not, yeah. not make you feel alone. When we were Although, growing up, holy shit, there was like, I was the only metalhead in an entire country in Qatar, <laughs> like growing fuck. up in Doha, holy fuck, yeah. thinking that this was, this was it for me. Like there's, there's absolutely no one else out there that I can know. get what I want to get. Um, but it's kind of a double-edged sword though, because I do genuinely feel sorry for kids now because when we were younger, there was no social media. So mm -hmm. when you did some stupid shit when you were younger, it was not posted oh, on social media and shown to the world like yep. maybe in photo physical photo form but i just i feel i feel like it's a lot of pressure for them and i, I just i don't know how i would have handled that at that age dude i've said this before i would be fucking cancelled if me as a teenager was broadcast anywhere anywhere <laughs> for anyone <laughs> it's, yeah it's tough yeah as, as amazing as the internet is for the, like to find a community and to find, you know, help on anything. Like it's so accessible, which is, I think is phenomenal, but there's always, it's the instant gratification lifestyle. People post a picture up and they're on their phone looking, waiting for someone to like their picture and it makes them feel better. And I'm like, no, it's not healthy, you know? Yeah. yeah I, the, the, the um, biggest thing, listen, everybody that knows me knows that I'm very bad at, replying to like whatsapp messages and i get i get a lot of shit for it generally speaking but that's because i don't have the bubbles uh that say the notification pop up mm. um on on anything other than email oh. and I, that one particular thing has completely changed the way i interact with social media because then when you feel like opening Instagram, you see the messages and, and if you're already on, that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but the bing and the instant like I have to check now what just happened uh, kind of fucked with me for a while. Especially in the early days of Unmuted when I was like promoting it a little more and stuff and, and wondering like, oh, is this, is this something that we can sustain? Is this, are, do people even give a shit about me talking about Middle Eastern metal and stuff? Um, it was, it was like a constant reminder of either I'm doing well or I'm not doing that well. So I turned all that shit off. Yeah. I turned it all off. Uh, but so I, I can't know. imagine being 13 in this oh, day and no. age. That, that's just. No. Like <laughs> even now, I don't know if anybody else in the chat is the same, but like sometimes when, I don't know if it's an anxiety thing or whatever, but sometimes if I have like 15 unread messages in my WhatsApp, I get so overwhelmed. I get like, I feel like anxious because I'm like, I know I need to get back to these, but I just, I don't have the mental capacity to do it. I'm just like, I just want to leave it. And I'm like, I will get back to them. But then I get more stressed because I'm not getting back to them. And it's like a vicious cycle. Yeah. So it's the same with social media, like any sort of, apps like that it's just it's, it's very stressful it is it is and uh yeah uh, the, we um 
we have a little space. I don't know if you guys know this, but we have a little safe space uh, where we, I'm not going to name any names, but someone was talking a little bit about that in our, in our safe space on Discord. Um, so if there's anything like that that you want to vent, we, uh, we, got, we got a little, a little space for that. 13 now? Yeah, if I was 13 now, Metal Airs. Um, Empyrean says, oh, I feel the imposter syndrome. Dude, imposter oh, syndrome it's is... Real. It's, it's real. real. It's, oh, it's very, so real. very real. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so hard to shake. That's the thing. It's so hard to like just power through that and get through yeah. the other side because you're constantly. That's what I was saying whenever I used to go up to monitors into the monitor position, and I literally would have like a massive bout of imposter syndrome, and I'm like, yeah. the fuck am I doing here? And I look up at the band, I'm like, how did I get here? Why am I? What am I doing? You know, you question everything. Like, should I be doing this? Am I the one that should be doing this? Or it's fuck. It's just so difficult. I have I have that, but I also uh, believe in like a fake it till you make it thing, which contradicts each other. Mm. But I just once I'm, once I I feel that I just go just just pretend for a while, and I kind of convince myself that I'm pretending. But I'm actually doing that. But it's like you're tricking your brain into thinking exactly. that you know what it, you're it doing. It helps me like <laughs> it helps me analyze it a little better. But I'm like, just just fucking fake it, bro. Just fake it, and and something something will happen. Um, yeah. And uh, and that's that's the only way I've been able to <laughs> to get past these things. Um, I don't use this word. I hate social media for the most part. I have found so many bands. That's true, yeah. But, yeah, I, I found a ton of bands on social media and especially mm -hmm. uh, uh, these days on Instagram. Like like you said, you know, you can post a review or a, a cover or a Harmony Hot Seat and these guys can just turn around and be like, hey, man, I like that shit. Yeah, it's mad. Everyone it's, it's made the, the world very accessible. Like if you want to, to show someone like a musician that you love, like you've done a cover they could it could reach them you tag them in it uh, Tamimi says strong believer and fake it so you make it it's not so much literally faking it but more of getting through the door and learning on the way absolutely that's that's uh, kind of my thing as well yeah because starting is the hardest part isn't it yeah yeah that's what she said <laughs> <laughs> i swear you need a drum fill sound you were worried about what to talk about we're already over and i still feel like i have another episode <laughs> in me to ask you about oh that was honestly so much fun i was i'm not gonna lie i was nervous before i came on because i'm not like i'm not used to really talking about shit that i've done before <laughs> so that was an experience but i really enjoyed it so thanks for having me everyone sheena i don't know if you know this but uh, the tradition around here is the show does not end until you say the words hit the outro and that is the only way we will end the show so I'm, I'm going to peace out, you guys. I'm going to say my farewells. Thank you for everything. Thank you to all the subs and the bits and, and the raids. You guys are fucking amazing. Sheena, you, uh, you run the show now. Uh, you have the floor with the tribe. Uh, tell right. them whatever you want. And whenever you're ready. Well, thank you, everyone, for having me. And thanks for the questions. And hit that outro. Right